0: Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced, or used in any form without permission.
1: Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The
2: world's longest running motorsport magazine show, Midway
1: Hello, everybody, just after 8 o'clock on a Wednesday night. A slightly under the weather Hindhoff here from Hindhoff Towers. Uh, we are live. Good to have you company. Uh, we'll give you some footy scores uh, in a little while. Um, oh, and th- actually, there are a few that have kicked off. Uh, so we can do that in just a moment. Uh, and this is Series 16, Episode 42. Would you believe it? Uh, it's 0 0, 0 1. 0-0, uh, nil, nil. Uh, after 13 minutes, still 0-0, nil, 0-1, nil. Uh, nil, that's a bit of a shocker after 13 minutes, uh, and 1-0. Um, obviously, we won't tell you uh, which league they're from, but trust me, they are live. Up in London is our executive producer, Tim Gray. Hello, Tim, how are you tonight?
3: I'm fine, thank you. I, I can give you another score as well I Go just on. need to make my screen bigger because it's so small I can't
1: read you that. need a 49 inch you need it's a 49 inch moment. curved display everybody's got them now even Alan McNish has bought one
3: uh, it's 0-2 oh right and uh, I can't read the rest of it but yeah 0-2 <laughs> this is in the uh, CEV uh, ladies uh, volleyball qualifier first leg and uh, taking place in Switzerland tonight
1: all the cricket's finished tonight already because it's obviously dark yeah well they have floodlights that they're not short of power in the uh, in the UAE anyway on a packed programme tonight Tim we have what Uh, we have all the usual features excellent we have a big interview
3: we have uh, uh, usual contributor uh, Nick Damon we have our usual contributor Shay Adam we have an uh, occasional contributor Johnny Palmer excellent presumably
1: uh, well that will depend on technology. Well it'll also depend if he's gone out of bed yet. No, that's not fair. He's up and about. Mm. He's up and about. I know he's up and about. at the emails have been swapped. That's fine. Yeah, but that to him would have been yesterday before he went to bed.
3: <laughs>
1: You're harsh. <laughs> Next time he comes down to see you he might slap you across the back of the head with something hard.
3: You're assuming he's not here already. I uh, well.
1: Well if he's here already if he's there already then that's great. Yeah that makes life much easier. That's much easier. Uh, So, JP uh, will be talking sports cars. Shea Adam will be talking sports cars. So, quite a lot of Visit Cayman Island sports car news.
3: Shea Adam will also be talking Formula One. And Mick Damon will be talking Formula One.
1: And he'll be talking bikes as well, because we have a champion uh, at the weekend. And we'll be talking about that. Also, some World Superbike news as well. And plenty of other intrigue and interest We'll be talking rookies as well. Um, uh, Shall we rank the rookies later? No, leave leave that. Um, uh, On AdSpect Entertainment, here's what you're saying. Uh, Thomas, who is or Kyle91, says, Things we need this week. A full review of the Rwanda Mountain Gorilla Rally and who won the spamming eating contest from Kota. You don't think, Thomas, that we would have extensively promoted that last week um, and he did say please as well. Um, without paying those off tonight, Tim is, if nothing else, he is very, very particular about that. Uh, right, I, so
3: I must say, we have been building up the Rwanda Mountain Rally Gorilla, no, <laughs> Mountain Gorilla Rally, for a good 18 months on this show. So you It know, would be remiss, would it? it? Now that it's actually happened. Not happened, to say year, Cancellation. Um, we could be taken off the air for not following up. I think,
1: particularly in Rwanda. Yes, right turn lover uh, is catching the podcast. Brody back in the land of the living after a nasty cold and flu bug. You've given it to me. I think Brody. Uh, if you listen if you listen carefully, you might hear that I'm a little bit croaky. Um, however, I do a very good version of Smelly Cat.
3: You're very bassy tonight. I have to really roll that off to uh, <laughs> I, make I am, you anywhere near audible to most people.
1: Well. I can put a bit of top in, does that sound? But I'm, I was running, as I always do, on my mic. I run flat. So that was flat. And now i put a bit of top and a bit of middle in. How's that? that you like that amazing. better? A lot better. Yeah, a lot it, more natural. It's not helping me throat. I so, um, think I saw the GP of the weekend in my woozy state, says Brodie. I thought you were away, Brodie. Don't tell me you caught a cold or some kind of uh, flu bug whilst you are away. Uh, the Sim Racing Bar Stewart is listening live tonight while having a night away from Sim Racing. Instead, he's flying around the galaxy in Elite Dangerous, the great great grandson of the original 1984 Elite on the ZX Spectrum. <sighs> happy, happy days. I wonder if Idiots and Bodyguards on the Grid will get a mention tonight. I'm sorry, we can't do that. Um, Jean, JG. <laughs> Hello, JG. Who won the Spam Eating contest? And was it. <laughs> Held in the conjunction with the World Breaking Wind Championship. Uh, more on that in a little while. I'm, lo- I'm really, I'm losing my voice. Uh, Doug Amner, no FAs for me tonight. Rather disappointing. American hard gums rather than wine gums. If snack of choice. What? Hang on. Have we got a wine gum shortage, Doug? Because it's, I'm afraid it's
3: definitely a Jelly Baby shortage. Because uh, Peter Snowden's eating all of those.
1: <laughs> American hard gums are not an adequate replacement and it's not like for like certainly for wine guns
3: not like for like but they have uh, they stand on their own merit
1: okay Uh, Marcel Duke still trying to catch up on recent shows timing limited so I'm trying to shift everything around so I can be live for the FIA on the next couple of weekends do we know if the ongoing chip crisis is going to reduce OEM motorsports budgets for 2022-23 my answer to that would be yes because Everybody wants a new car, and the waiting lists for certain models are now two years. Two years. Kevin Kevin Payne, looking forward to what will be a packed show following a busy weekend with some great events. Uh, Black Pearl Johnny, felt a bit sorry for him when the uh, rules changed at the weekend without anybody being told. Uh, no face tonight uh, from Kevin. Uh, hello to um, Chris Smith. Congratulations, to Tim for his results in the Praga at the weekend oh was Tim Grey racing at the weekend
2: excellent
3: I mean, I'm, 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 I'm unbeatable in that car as I was in the radical before it
1: yeah very good point um, did anybody see this and can speculate on the future impact of a full electric 12 hour autonomous driving race within Le Mans 24 for the 100th edition 2 hours of racing 2 hours of charging right really really
3: that seems a little bit uh, excessive on the charging. You can charge it two hours and have enough uh, battery to go for hundreds of miles.
1: Yeah, but how are you going to do that within the twenty-four hours when you've already got a full grid over twenty-four hours? I'll look that up and see what we can find out. I'm sure Tim will be looking that up as well. Um,
3: Not really. We might deal with this in the future show. We? we haven't got time tonight. Oh, really.
1: Okay, uh, Chris Suku says uh, the day has gone past so fast. We'll stop work and sit down for a snack. So no AFA. Looking forward to the show and lots of sports car news. Dave Olcott uh, is listening uh, tonight as well. Uh, Otter AFA's this weekend's race was nerve-wracking. Went up and down. Tire choice tactics playing a usual. Only tw- ten primates made it to the finish line. Um, we we'll, I'm not going to read the rest of it because I don't want to uh, do the plot spoiler for later on. For Team and some results. New vehicle program going well for Alexander Orkin. Flu jabbed on the way home. Cooking sea bass for supper. Looking forward to a good show uh, as well. I might not get to the end of this. My voice is already starting to pack up. Um, hello, to Jack Martin, who's uh, listening in from tomorrow. Good morning, Jack. Finishing late before uh, finishing a mi- late meeting before midweek motorsport. Uh, and then on to Sebring from Inza Practices, Sticky Marley. Jake Parrott is listening, no EFAs tonight. James O'Donnell listening in and looking forward to a packed show entourage-free. Neil Gardner, EFAs, but catching up on the podcast. Hello, Neil. Keep up the great work, mate. Your drawings recently been great.
2: All the latest motorsport news
0: from around the world. Midweek Motorsport.
1: Uh, before we go to the news, uh, Jet and the... Uh, Dalliwale clan are in the Highlands this week, um, so they are probably AFAs, but I'm not sure about that. Ex- I'd expect your teammates, please, if you'd like to get in touch with us. Now, Tim, give my voice a rest, and you talk to me, as Alan Prosser says, not quite live today. Um, but, uh, what's the top story tonight?
3: Well, before we do any news, uh, we need to say happy birthday to Eduardo Freitas.
1: He's the big 6-0 tonight, isn't
3: he? Yes. Today. That he's not the only person with a birthday
1: today. Is he not? No. That would be Bernard Charles Eccleston, his birthday at the tier.
3: Uh, I was thinking more of 34 uh, year old Natasha Gashnang. Okay. 45 uh, year old Thomas Jaeger. hmm. And 45 year old David Terrier. Who, sorry? David Terrier. All right, okay. And Shay's also pointed out this is Thomas Jaeger's birthday. Uh, Matteo Malicelli, it's his birthday today. He's 37.
1: Actually, I think it's BCE's birthday tomorrow.
3: Uh, And uh, Joshua Dirksen is 18 today. You're thinking, who's Joshua Dirksen, aren't you? Well, possibly, yes. He uh, raced in Euro Formula Open uh, this season. Um, He's uh, a (laughs) Paraguayan.
1: Of course he is. Uh, and or possibly German. Hello know. to Blue, uh, Blur Fiend listening in. Busy, busy, busy dear, at work. Need to talk to you, Blur Fiend. What do you reckon? 992 GTS with the lightweight pack? Need some expert advice on that. And hello to Nick, uh, who is listening in tonight. Top story. Uh, let's bring in
3: um, Nick Damon. Good evening, Nick Damon.
1: Good evening, Tim Gray. Good
4: evening, John Hindorff.
3: And Shay Adam, good evening, Shay. Hello. Uh, there's only one place we can start, really, and that's by congratulating Carl Tundo, who took victory in the weekend's Rwanda Mountain Gorilla Rally. Excellent. And with it became Africa Rally Champion of 2021, with one event still to take place. Tundo and his co driver, Tim Jessup, got off to a flying start in the Mini Motorsport Oman. VW Golf, winning six of the first seven stages to eventually finish the rally 14.4 seconds ahead of fellow Kenyans Karen Patel and Tausif Khan. In fact, it was a rally dominated by Kenyan entries, with McRae Kimathi and Keoni Mwangi finishing in third. The highest-placed local entry was the Subaru Impreza of Jean-Claude Gakwaya and Jean-Claude Ngabo, who finished the rally fourth overall with a single-stage win, the second run through Rahuha on Saturday evening. South Africa's Guy Bottle, who needed to win to keep his title hopes alive, retired on stage
1: four in his Toyota Etios. Did we find out what a Toyota Etios actually is?
3: Uh, well, I didn't.
1: I, I, need, I really need to know if it is just another version. How are we spelling that? E-T-I-O-S. And it's bigger,
3: oh, and it's probably Camry sized, right? But hatchback Camry,
1: not the. So, right? I, I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting. Uh, I'm suspecting then that that is. Oh no, it isn't at all. Uh, Toyota unveils Etios motor racing trophy. No, no, that's not. I c- can't possibly it. Uh, RS. And, oh, it was an R5. It, it might be an R5 car. All right, so that's not even a WRC car.
3: Oh, um, yes, it's definitely an R5 car. Right, OK, fine. Um, Very well done. Both that and the, um VW Polo that won. It wasn't a uh, Golf, as I said earlier. It was a Polo. That's an R5. And uh, Karen Patel's uh, Ford Fiesta is also an R5 car.
1: Right, so they're, so they're, they're running to the R5 regs. I tell you what, thats Actually, Mm -hmm. I tell a lie.
3: Do you? Yes, because the Toyota Retrox is an R4 car, and it's running in the R2 category. I I tell you what... Because there is no R4 category in the Africa Rally Championship by the looks of things.
1: I think that is a massive, massive tick for the reliability of R4s and R5s, because you know what that rally's going to be like. And for those guys to get to the end in things that aren't WRC cars, um, pretty impressive. Did you see? You mentioned that the you mentioned that the, 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 um, you mentioned that the uh, championship was wrapped up, uh, Tim. How, yes. how many more uh, events are there to go this uh, year? Just too? one in South oh, Africa. Two. All right, okay. Did you also see that we What's had Hun- Hyundai testing next year's WRC car in Italy? And running it between stages on the road sections on um, on electric power only. Ooh, yes, um, which was very interesting. Uh, so we've covered the uh, Rwanda guerrilla rally, or the yeah. guerrilla Rwanda rally, as he wanted to call it earlier, which I think works both ways. Um, the other big story from last week, which has to be the news, is the. Um, spam eating contest in uh, the competitive we'll eating league. Later. Oh really? Is that not top story? No. Okay. So where would you like to go next?
3: Um, I mean there were plenty of other rallies taking place over the weekend.
1: I, I don't think any I think they all pale in insignificance next to the um, Rwanda Mountain Gorilla Rally. And, and that is what the listener wanted to hear. Th- there was one in Madagascar was that the lemur Are rally?
5: You
1: lemurs? Yes. Whoa. very interesting story about giant lemurs. Actually, in that the giant singing lemur, um, and I only read this this morning, um, it does actually have the same kind of rhythm as um, humans do when they're singing. So they like, they really do like to move it, move it. And if you don't believe me, you can go and look that up. That, that you get that for nothing not on every motorsport programme do you get do you get such a wide range of factoids um, shall we move on Tim where would you like to go next
3: uh, let's do some Formula One
1: hooray
4: God, that was a bit kind of a half LinkedIn in there wasn't it I got up, woke up said hooray hurrah
1: Formula One Hurroo. Yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: packed crowd 400,000 back to the old days um, uh, of oh, the okay. first couple of years hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hang Hold on. On. Hold on, that
3: sounds like uh, Nick Damon's team by team review of the well, no, American no, no. Just, just on that four hundred at this point.
4: No, can I just say about four hundred thousand? Yeah. They were talking all the way through the weekend. A hundred thousand on Friday, a hundred thousand on Saturday, <laughs> hundred twenty thousand on Sunday.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's four hundred thousand.
4: It, it became four hundred thousand. I think. Hang on a second. Who from Silverstone counting has joined F1.com? <laughs>
3: You've uh, you've missed Thursday's crowd of 80,000, Nick. Yeah, like flip the ones. to watch the uh, safety
1: car being tested. Well, yeah, so no, the what the you've th- missed th- is, in fairness, about your
4: numbers keep
1: it consistent. I mean, the word, the numbers are brilliant, but don't over-egg it for no reason. Right, what what everybody's missed is that you have to clear everybody out before the Spam Eating Contest on Saturday night and then the Billy Joel Contest at uh, concert as well. So I thought
4: if you got qualifying tickets you meant you could go to the Billy Joel concert as well.
1: Yeah, well you get counted twice, don't you? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. Good point. Well made. A- absolutely. Very well made. So there Very you well go. made. Oh I've had me I've had me um, me tweet back from Blur Fiend. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh what while we're on this, what was the
3: uh, crowd like in twenty nineteen last time Cota held a Formula one race?
4: Absolutely no idea. Three hundred and fifty
3: one thousand.
1: What was it like the first year wow. it was there when it was absolutely chocker? Because there was no Mexican Grand Prix that year.
3: I've no idea.
1: Yeah, because it, it looked similar to that. Shay. Whatever happened, it was a good turnout. It was a great turnout. It looks fabulous. Love Particularly it. that shot up the hill where the foreshortening of the camera blends. Can we stop the...
3: rambling about turnouts? And it was good. And actually do a new story. All right, go on then. Shay. Shay.
1: Hi. i calling
4: Kettle Black for the entirety of the 16 years this series.
3: Who is Steve Sisolak? Uh,
5: why do I know that name? I can't place it.
3: He's a governor of Nevada. Okay. And why would we be referring to him in a Formula ah! One news story? Because. Because
5: there is talk that everyone wants to go to Viva Las Vegas now that uh, Miami is on the calendar as well, talking about potentially adding a third American Grand Prix.
3: And when's this going to happen, Nick Damon? I don't
4: know, a couple of years.
3: Correct.
1: 2023. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I I love the excitement in your voice there, Nick. Here's an interesting one for you. If they're going to do it in Vegas,
4: it's almost certain it's going to be a night race. Oh, really? Which is going to give you some really weird viewing times,
1: because they're all...
5: ah,
1: <laughs> uh, good point. Because they are of course eight hours behind. Yeah. Then they it, put it. It's hours on... behind the UK nine hours behind yeah. Europe. Yeah.
5: Yes.
4: So they say hey, they right on my schedule.
1: Stepping. Yeah, perfect for you, sure.
4: So <laughs> it's going to be on about four in the morning. I don't think they're going to. <laughs> I don't. Think... I think that's going to be a real stumbling block because you don't want to put it on during the day in Vegas because a whole it's just too hot that time of year. Right, so they're either going to team it with Miami in mid-late May or they're going to team it with with Austin in in October. It'll be too mm. hot. So that's the challenge on that one. It is a fair
1: point (laughs) when you talk about viewing figures in Europe um, because we notice on the West Coast wing. so for example, when uh, IMSA are on the streets of Long Beach, um, the uh, amount of people who tune in to the free live flag-to-flag coverage Either on RS3 on imsradio.com or on the the video channel at the same place. It's never the same amount um, as as it is for a West Coast race, or for a race that's earlier in the day, even on the East Coast. That eight that eight stroke nine hours. However, it does open up other marketplaces, particularly in Australia. Um, yeah, but the, the although actually it doesn't because that'll take them in the Monday hang on morning, then, won't
4: John? it? John which countries have signed all the really big mega bucks deals? The European countries. Mm, true.
1: But, in ch- in again, terms of broadcasters, you mean. In
4: some ways, though, yeah. of course, it goes back to the roots of us who used to watch uh, yes. F1 back yes. in the 80s 90s, yes. when you had to get up horribly early for the Japanese Grand Prix <laughs> and the Australian Grand Prix, because they hadn't moved them as far forward as possible as the light would allow to try and creep them into early... You know, reasonable mm. getting up time. I mean, I remember that we, we had a stir-up all night party for the 86 Australian Grand Prix where Mansell 's um, tyre went, but his tyre actually blew up half past three in the morning. I've got time. a
1: great story about that. A great story about that, which we'll tell another time. Bradley and I to About Grand Prix or about Nick's party? No, about the party <laughs> for that Grand Prix. Um, <laughs> and And far, exactly. far too many prawn, prawn cocktail snacks. It um, <laughs> oh, was why? 15 years before any of us met Nick, so... That is true. Yeah, but his parties were legendary everywhere in F1, even well, before the It was So you couldn't That's cry true. if you wanted to, because it wasn't your party.
4: No, I, I think we were all, pretty, obviously we were all very rabid Mansell fans in those days. So we were all pretty de- depressed
3: about the whole thing. Mm. I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The Silver State is quickly becoming the entertainment as well as the sports capital.
4: Are back on Las
3: Vegas uh-huh. again? Yes. Uh, can I point out that nobody has said this is going to be in Las Vegas. They've just said Nevada, so it could be in Reno. No. Isn't that
1: like America's could, best little town? It could be. You're right. It, it could be. Yeah. I once yeah, tried yeah. to get to v- Reno, still not been there. Got stuck on the Donner Pass in a freak snowstorm. No. Yes. No. Yes. <laughs> in a Porsche Boxster. Had to buy snow <laughs> chains for it. I've also never been to Reno.
3: Have you been to Reno Nick?
4: Nope. I've been to Crete the Isle of Greece and I've sipped Campari on a rock, but I've never been to Reno. And Shay, have you been to Reno? <laughs> Thank you, Charlene. Thank you. Uh,
5: I have I have not. I am currently checking to see how far it is from my house. <laughs> uh 8 hours and 2 minutes.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, so uh, a if you lot leave further now, we'll uh, we'll talk to you tomorrow during uh No. Oh, okay.
4: So they want No, no I just they want to run out the strip. Yeah, exactly. The
1: talk is that they want to run it in the dark upper part of the strip, and which is an extraordinary thing to do. Um, Three grand prix in the US, first of all. Um, Shit, Adam. Three grand prix in the US? Yes or no?
5: No. In terms of will it happen? Probably. Is it a good idea? No, because right now people flock to Austin because that is our opportunity to see F1. You're introducing easy to get Miami to, into like this
1: lights, Lovely city. Lots, very, lots of hotel rooms.
5: Most importantly, though, John, centrally located. It's very ah. easy to convince a Californian and a Floridian to go to Texas.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and, um, and you've got Dallas, Fort Worth and Austin, which are both hubs. Yes. Right. Okay. Yeah.
5: You've got plenty of options to try and get in. If you introduce um, Miami you are going to steal some of the audience that would be from the East Coast going to the, the central race from traveling to Austin. People are not going to go to multiple F1 races across the course of a the year. Mm. They have to pay for their football season tickets, their mm. basketball tickets, mm-hmm. their baseball. You know, everybody's got hockey. Everyone has so many sports already. Yeah. Well, yes, but trying to justify <laughs> There are people multiple in America who play trips.
3: field hockey, John.
1: No, that's and, just and hockey. Yeah. People who, who hockey is hockey. It. Ice hockey is hockey and, and played on air... ice.
5: Hey, air hockey.
1: Oh, yes, well, yeah, that's called air hockey. There's nothing air either. Uh, Nick yeah. Damon, three races in, in the US. Miami, which we'll talk about in a moment, because uh, Tim's got a story Go on
4: that. Miami.
1: Um, three races in the US, uh, in a yeah. 23, 24, 25, whatever, a 30 race calendar. How's that going to work?
4: Quite well. There's 330 million people in the States, which is uh, greater than the population of parts of Europe, which have nine Grand Prixs between them. And... Um, You've got a couple of destination places. Austin was just packed out, despite the fact the Mexican Grand Prix has been added. It's, yeah, I don't... I, I'm not saying... I'm not not overly certain. I think it's a particularly good idea, just because I don't think there's... I'm, you know me, I'm a bit of a stick-in-the-mud history. I think 22 Grand Prix is too many. But it'll definitely happen, and it'll all sell out, and it'll be fine.
3: Who is cautious about uh, adding a third Grand Prix in the US?
4: Somebody has to pay for it.
3: <laughs> Bobby Epstein, Cota's founding partner, said anything mm-hmm. that would stop the momentum uh, of that. Well, there you Referring go. to the, yep. the yeah, but the point about it would is, be potentially irreversibly detrimental.
1: Well, that's what Cher yeah. was saying, Nick, wasn't it? About yeah. about getting everybody going to Texas.
4: But the thing about it is, so far, I mean, you know, yes, it, 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 it. Perhaps you need to give it a bit of a look and see what happens in Miami in year two, because year one never counts, remember? Yeah.
2: Um,
4: but the thing is that when they had Canada, wasn't affected by Austin. Austin wasn't affected by Mexico. But they carried on on the upward bend. Um, the the trend is very positive as far as F one is concerned, generally worldwide at the moment. I mean, I don't know how much of that is. This particular, this particular championship fight. Um, they got a second race already. The third race will come in. Just money speaks. And they can just make the money out of
1: it. The question um, is, does it cut the pie too thinly amongst everybody share? Because we know, as we found out once again at the weekend, because it was live on network ABC, um, free to air, network terrestrial channel and exactly the same amount of people who always used to tune in still tune in just over a million 1.1 1.2 million people have tuned in there is a finite audience right now in the u.s very much so and that's not changed no matter what anybody else says about what's been on netflix or whatever that has been the same amount of people watching it as has been for 10 years yeah
3: the difference is no, there are nearly half a million of them out the circuit, though. No.
5: That is correct. But the thing that I keep um, thinking about is this year was a bigger opportunity for Formula One in Texas because the Texas teams are not doing well. They're ah. not holding up their end of the bargain. So people are not tuning in to see the Houston Texans sucking every week. Sorry, Texan fans, but it's true. You're one and six. And the Dallas Cowboys haven't exactly been oh, no. getting people back on the Cowboy bandwagon. They're at five and one, but they look super weak. So if you've got Formula One. No, they're not. Um, they've, they've beaten easier teams. But if you've got a situation where Texas football is strong, then you've got even less of a ratings grab. For them to get the exact same ratings with Sunday mattering less to football fans in Texas, that's the non-encouraging thing. If they're going to run these races, in, as as Nick said, in the cooler season, perhaps Vegas is a night race during football season, you've got the Las Vegas Raiders. In Vegas, mm. you're going to lose a lot of eyes there.
1: How about running Saturday night? How about running a Formula One race? No. On the Strip no, on Saturday really. night. Also, the thing just so just to interject there, the current
4: idea being floated is to back-to-back at Miami, which means it would be in May, so not in the football season.
1: Uh, let's move on. Tim, where would you like to go to next?
3: I just mentioned this tweet from Alan Prosser. Can we get them to run the Nevada Grand Prix on the Silver State Classic course? Oh, with the 13 miles straight? 13 miles. Yes. On uh, Route
1: 318, I believe. Hmm... Very good. You're listening to Midweek Motorsport. We're half an hour in. It's Series 16, Episode uh, 42, 27th of October at Um And uh, Dave Olcock liking the reference to Barbara Gaskin and Dave Stewart. It's My Party, um, originally by Leslie Gore in the early 1960s, 62, 63, 64, something like that, I think. Uh, Tim, where to next? Uh, where's George Russell
3: been this week? Uh, Austin. Yes, very good. Yes, and
4: subsequently? I have absolutely no idea. I, know, I, I the Last time I saw George Russell uh, was when he was shaking uh, Jamie Chadwick's hand because he was completely anonymous in the race, but he was there when she won the uh, W Series.
3: Yes. Well, she's a Williams driver, and currently mm-hmm. so is he.
4: Well, just for a few more weeks, yes. I don't know. Tell me. Tell me what he's been doing. He's, uh, he's been going to Miami. Going to Miami. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, to it the
3: track? Yes, he's on a track walk.
4: Oh, right. Well, that's not where are used to because they'll have to completely resurfaced it and changed all the uh, drainage holes by then. OK. Uh,
3: one thing that we're not going to see uh, next year is uh, a new American team in Formula One.
1: Uh, Nick Damon uh, is about to gloat on this one. Not gloating. It's
4: just that I did say this wasn't a done deal, and everyone's saying it was a done deal, because you know what's what's the what's the overarching rule of Formula One? Never believe what you're being told. Follow the money.
1: <laughs> okay.
4: It made it didn't it didn't what the numbers that were coming out didn't make any sense for a guy who doesn't need to sell, which is the which is the Swedish guy who owns. It's not longbow finance. I really should remember which is the correct name of the finance company now who owns Salva. So he didn't need to sell. So if you don't need to sell, you are going to charge more or want certain guarantees. And Andretti turns up thinking he's going to get a team for $250 million when the buy in is $200 million to F1 these days. Just seemed, just didn't, the money didn't make sense. And that's that's nothing to do with Andretti for me he's saying it's not going to happen. As always, with F1, it was the cash didn't make sense. And and F1 teams are going to start making a profit soon because of the cost cap. And when things make profit, don't forget they're worth, is it 10 times the profit value plus the value of the the fixed assets? So 250 million was never enough. You know, someone's saying the overall value now is 600 million. And to me, that sounds about right. But Andretti hasn't got 600 million. And that's, again, not having a go at him. That's That's just the rules of the road.
1: Tim?
3: Yeah, I think that sums up Nick's position, really, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Very good.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, this is from Uncle Kevin. Uh, says, wow, two street races back-to-back in F1. Can I reserve a bed to sleep through it now? I don't think well, they are typical that? street races, in fairness. Wait
4: till we see what Jeddah is going to be like. Because that is a race race. I realise there's reasons against that, but let's just pure view it on a pure automotive racing track situation. They are p- building what they say is the fastest and most open street track. Just because it's a street track doesn't mean it has to be rubbish and a series of 40, 90 degree bends. It normally is, but it doesn't have to be that.
1: I placed before the court, share, Adam, the variety of street tracks that we've raced on in sports car racing in the US down through the years, because quite clearly St. Pete's is not the same as Belle Isle. is not the same. As Baltimore was, or indeed Miami was,
5: that is correct. But there is a difference between a street course and a racetrack built in a parking lot of a stadium. That's all I'm going to say. Well, fair <laughs> point.
1: Yeah, that is fair point. Yeah. Houston. You, yeah. Well, Houston. Yeah, yeah. I'd forgot. I'd, I'd almost forgotten about Houston, and
5: um,
4: mm-hmm.
1: I'm sure many people who raced there would like to um, once their <laughs> once their Aww. eyesight came back after being rattled around down the front straight, um, but what, was that the one po- where you were commentating outdoors? No, no, that was uh, that was always um, that was always um, um, uh, Long Beach. We always used to commentate outdoors at Long Beach for the for the longest time. Where was in the one a where in the
3: loading bay of uh, warehouse?
1: Uh, loading bay was St. Pete. St. Pete's, and yeah. we were all. Oh, and and <laughs> and of course, I've uh, f- forgotten about our trip north of the border when we were in. Uh,
5: where? Edmonton.
1: No, we were at, um, with Indie Lights, at, um, oh, it's got out of my head, in the LMS days, baseball field off the back of us. Um, and that was, uh, it'll come back to me. Somebody will tell me. Somebody tell oh. me where we went with IMSA <laughs> on Atospect Entertainment. Oh, my goodness, that is going to really. Someone
5: tell me where I was. <laughs> <laughs>
1: It was an unbelievable event. It's a very old street event, um, which IndyCar used to go to, and it was Indy Lights, and IMSA went up there for a couple of three seasons, and it was absolutely outstanding. And and I can't remember. the whole, they, had, they closed off the whole front street. They had car shows every night we were there. The food was brilliant, and I can't remember where it was. And that's really going to annoy me. Now, Nick. I don't know where it was. All right, sorry.
3: <laughs> Nick definitely didn't go there.
4: Mm. No, sounds like fun.
1: Monaco is in um, in May as well, says Matthew Hindman, so it could be Miami, Monaco, and Vegas. Um, so not quite the four, the three M's. Trois Rivière, thank you, Trois Riv. Thank you so much, uh, jg 910 for tweet, tweeting that. Trois Riv. Completely different. All of those tracks are completely different, and and somewhere like somewhere like St. Pete's here, yes, it does have some 90 degree corners, but it's got some quick corners as well, and it's it's not your typical 90 degree squirt and point race uh, straight race track.
5: No, it's a great track, uh, especially for people getting to go to the track and and uh, spectators of all variety, because you can have people who can walk up and buy a ticket and sit anywhere in the grandstand for the first time ever. Or you can have, as we typically do, people bringing their yachts and then watching from their yachts. So it's a very fun offering. St. Pete.
1: Mike, Mike Sargent, uh, uh, JJ. And Jason Anthony, all sing to our Riviera, yeah, thank you. Why my brain, well, I know why my brain isn't working tonight, because I'm afraid I've got a bit of a head cold, as you can probably hear. Midweek Motorsport, uh, let's move on in Series 16, Episode 42. Uh, Tim, where to next?
3: Uh, let's do some bikes. Excellent. Because uh, we have a champion in MotoGP, Nick
4: we do we had an extraordinary moto gp
1: yeah, where
4: three major events happen and all try to overshadow each other yeah um at the end of the race because we crowned a new world champion we had the fair, fond farewell to italy from the greatest ever motorcycle racer tm i say so that now uh Valentino rossi uh and then we had mark marcus's comeback coming back even more comeback because he won on a clockwise circuit and. Um, People didn't really know what to do. And in the end, unfortunately, poor old Mark, I suppose he's had enough isolation in the past, got the least coverage at all for winning the race, uh, which was handed to him when uh, Pekka Bangai threw it off the track for no discernible reason. Um, But yes, Fabio Quattro um, had a terrible uh, selection of qualifying and ended up not even getting out of Q1, or whatever they want to call it qualified 15th and then drove a very clever little race just slowly chipping away getting past people one two three four got up to third so he didn't need to uh, didn't have a battle with batter the podium came fourth, and won his world championship in a very very
1: structured way really why nick given that france was the first nation to really exploit motorcycles in any way shape or form um 125 years ago. Why is it taking a century and a quarter to have the first French top-class motorcycle champion? Well, it's exactly the same as
4: why did it take until 1994 for Germany to win a driving championship? It's just one of those weird things. Mm. Um, you know, you, you, people missed out; they were they weren't there. Perhaps at the you know, when the start of the, the championship started, it got very quickly dominated the early part of uh, motorcycle racing. Was dominated by the Italians and the British, of course, and then of course he got, he got taken over by the Americans, and Australians for a period of time, and now it's firmly in the lap of the, uh, the Southern Europeans. So it's it's great to see uh, Fabio, who caused to to do this, had to go into the dragon's den and, and move at 13 down to Spain to start the, the ladder
1: yes. into
4: MotoGP, um, and he's done he's done very well. He's overcome his demons, he's overcome his doubters, he's won the championship. He's won the championship in a Proper championship-winning way, where he's just he's taken the points we can get them, yeah. and when he couldn't, he's had to ease off. He's overcome adversity, where he lost a certain win with the arm pump, and was that Herrera? It was one of the races, and he's put in a brilliant championship. I, you know, on the flip side, there's been no particularly consistent challenge. Um, Bagnia's uh, prior to falling off had put half a season together, um, but it's got to do um, him some great, great good going forward. Especially as he effectively was the solo. Person you know, he was only in the Yamaha team, but anyone knew what he was doing because yeah. you know Rossi was was half a time. Morbidi broke his leg, so broke his knee and, and couldn't run. And Vinales went cuckoo. So you know he was basically a one man band with that bike. And yeah, you know, I have every respect for him because he 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 pulled it down. He won he won the championship. He's won it convincingly. Um, and we can now look forward to what should be a very very exciting season next year when hopefully we have full season attacks for him. And from Mark and from Peko.
1: You you made a good point there about the change in his attitude, the change in his mental capacity. He was leading the race, uh, the, the championship at Barcelona last year, and it all fell apart from there. And he looked very, very fragile. He's had a couple of races this year where he hasn't been so good. He still doesn't like cold and, wet con- and or wet conditions, but he's managed that this year in a very, very different way. And there will be people I'm sure who will say yeah he's only won it because because Mark Marquez wasn't at full fitness oh, no. I, I, no, I don't no. think that's fair
4: no I, th- I think I think that um, I don't think that, as Mark said it, 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 him, he gave a very good post for his interview this is, this is about him this is, he, he put together a you know I think you could certainly say you know, Joan Mir, you would definitely say won it um, by being the least bad rather than being the best yep. last year. Where I think Quattararo has put together a fantastic season. Um, you know, he had two. He had two. So he had the hereth issue. Had the strange thing that happened. I think it was Barcelona where his chest protector fell out, and yep. that was the one time where he. I think we saw the old. Um, I don't know, not mental spirit, but, You know. Um, you know, sudden brain fade in in, in that situation. But that's once this year. He's maturing all the time, and the confidence they've got for winning this this championship is going to be immense. And hopefully, he'll have a proper team around him next year. Um, I'm looking forward to. It. I think it's, it's good to see Marquez come back. Marquez has got you know four or five months to try and get his shoulder back working. He's, it's never going to be a hundred, but he needs to get back nearer to, to 95 or 90, and then we should have a, a, a great championship. But we have a, we have a genuinely great champion, yeah, um, and a very nice guy, and someone who obviously meant an unbelievably large amount to, to win it in the way he did
1: it'll be massive for the for the french motorsport nation as well front page news of of, of the french daily papers on monday rightly yeah. rightly so uh, as well a couple of other stories i want to pick up on um very quietly after the family tragedy um maverick vinales took the april into the top 10 uh, just, uh, what, P8, in fact, just a 10th behind Alish so, so Spargaro. Second
4: half of the race. Second half of the race, very quick, apparently. I, didn't, yeah. the, I, I was reading reports saying he was, he was absolutely flying in the second half of the race, and knowing how he's, you know, he needs to get his, he doesn't like being in traffic, as we know, so he, yeah. he must have got himself in a bit of clear air, and he was just able to show the speed of the
1: bike. 1-2 um, for Repsol Honda. You mentioned Mark Malkais winning it. Paul Aspargaro, uh came yeah. in second. All right, there were other... Uh, Other factors at play there, but that's now believe this or believe this not. That was Honda's first one-two in four years. Well, that's
4: because they've not had any decent number twos for Marquez, haven't they? Even even Lorenzo didn't work out very well. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it it was it was yeah yes. You can always make caveats, but the fact is they put they put the first two bikes over the line, Mm. Um, and. They, they, they absolutely deserve that. Yes, and Ducati threw it away. But did they throw it away because of the, the riders were wrong? They both went at the same place. there was a bit of an on the bike. Yes, the tr- tr- conditions were tricky, but they were, yeah, everyone's riding around the same track. And obviously, Quartararo was was coming back and not trying and not really trying to win. But no, it's great. I think I think Pol struggle. he's managed to get the bike through. As long as they as long as Honda realises it, it's it's not a indicative that, that that bike's brilliant and carry on with their development path, which I'm sure they will. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it was good to see.
1: Uh, and, and finally, um, the last turnout of Rossi in his home ground, <laughs> remarkably, threw his helmet in the crowd.
4: Which got some he never points does. as well. Got some points.
1: Yeah, got points. He was
4: 10th, wasn't he? or 10th? Yeah, yeah. Just, I
1: mean, just and... great. W- where is the next... So, you know, you talk about the domination of of Italy for a while. So, you know, we had Agostini, we had Biagi, um, Lucone- um all of those... Um, now we've got bagnaya Baristini and are, are they Are they the next generation yeah. as it were? Well, yeah,
4: you've got Luca Marini, you've got um, all... Like, by one coming through the VR46 Academy. I think it was... It
1: was How good was it, by the way, that VR, all the VR46 riders wore the bright yellow with uh, yeah, Grazzi um, Valle on it? You know, it's,
4: it's, you know, and this is the point about it about it is, is you know, it's, yeah, he's obviously been a legend in, in what he's done, but he's actually now, he actually is putting stuff back. He's put his own money, his own investment into... Ita- Unfortunately, into Italian riders. Obviously, he prefer to put it into riders of all nationalities, but then again, he is a proud Italian, so why wouldn't he do it? No, I
1: don't have and, a problem yeah, with that.
4: And he's, and he's worked wor- wor- them a them, 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 the, the, the number of them, um, through the um, the process, and a lot of them have, have looked pretty good. None of them are on full works bikes yet, so it's it's looking very much like there's going to be a a, a, a I don't know, what, what's the collective noun for Italians? I don't know. A, don't know, a phalanx of
1: Italians. A cial, um, A, cial a cial. of Italians. Yeah,
4: no, a cappuccino of Italians uh, <laughs> coming in and and, and uh, you know trying to to wrestle it away from the Spaniards. Squadra,
1: squadra of Italians. Mm. Surely.
3: A Bonte Verdi. <laughs>
1: in that case they're all so small certainly it's uh, super Ligera. um unless tim's got anything else on MotoGP, gp i'd like to i do not right quickly stay on two wheels of world Superbike. all yep. new rookie lineup for hrc honda racing in 2022 yeah, you know, ike
4: Luconi, who is obviously a refugee from the KTM program in MotoGP, and actually looked really, really good whilst he was on the bike this weekend. Fell off a couple of times too often. Uh, <laughs> is joined by. I think a guy falling
1: who... off once is once too often, to be quite honest.
4: Well, No, don't forget they have two charges in the airbag, so you know that's what the uh, the rule is. Um, I yeah, I'm I must admit, i have not got a piece of paper. I can't remember the guy who's joining him. There's a guy who who doesn't appear to have done an awful lot in uh, in Moto2. Who's joining?
1: Not Javier is Vegas, yeah, isn't it?
4: Yeah, but he hasn't done he hasn't done much in Moto2. Um, I'm a little bit surprised they've gone that way. Um,
1: Xavi Vierge so yeah, comes outing, across. He, he's Moto2. He's
4: he's been he's in Moto2. Yeah, I mean I can see Laconi, because he's a very he's age 21. He's he, he's he's kind of been almost helmet marcoed out of the Austrian team there, even though Helmut wasn't involved way before his time and no real chance of proving himself. So he's now uh, dropped back down to to World Superbikes. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's uh, it's an interesting choice, but I'm surprised they they ditched has them or didn't get somebody with a bit of superbike experience because that bike needs developing.
1: Xavi, in uh, fairness, has had seven years in Mortal Kombat two and only had four podiums. He's never not had a win, three poor positions. Yeah, I
4: mean, I know there's things about teams, but you kind of think he'd been there that long not getting on. I mean, you kind of wonder how he got picked out from the hundreds of, of very talented yeah, motorcycle probably. riders a lot of them drive it. driving, a lot of them riding comparable bikes. I'm not just talking about the UK. I'm talking about the AMA Superbike Series, the Australian yep. Superbike Series, the German Superbike Series. I think it's a French Superbike Series as well, isn't it? There's Italians, definitely. Yeah. And they've chosen this guy from Moto2. Done now, I might be proven completely wrong, but it's a really weird choice.
1: It, it is a case, though, isn't it, that sometimes... People jump onto the bigger bike. You've got Linda yeah. going from Moto, direct from Moto 3 to join his brother in Moto GP this year, and all sorts of people saying that that won't work um, or it might not work. But we have seen people before who've had a massively accelerated Fabio Quattararo. Because, I mean, let, let's be honest, the other thing that came out of the weekend was the change in the regulations for the minimum age yes. Yes, to race right. in any Moto GP. And if that's if that regulation had been in, cl- in place, we would not have had we would not have had Fabio Quattararo when we did.
4: Yeah, I mean, and it's unfortunately, it, here uh, yeah, uh, they have upped the level, um, the entry. But what they've not done it, 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 it's, it's, it's gone to it's gone to eighteen, isn't it, from sixteen but, for uh, all
1: MotoGP class for yes, all for the, GP but classes. But for the 3-2-1. feeder races.
4: Where of course we had a fatality this year, it's only gone from 13 to 14. Mm. So they've, they've, yeah, they, I can't remember what the Spanish, is, CVC, CV. The Spanish yeah. series, CV series, Spanish uh, series. So I'm thinking, yeah, you've, you've, you've done a bit of fiddling while Rome burns there, because you've made sure that you're less likely to have the bad publicity in the high publicity area of MotoGP, but you've not really done a huge amount to fix things by only putting it up by one year. Um, at the very competitive CEV level, where you know, much like you know, international karting, that's where the riders who want to get onto the MotoGP ladder go. Correct. At well, 14 now rather than 13, and they haven't. And in fairness, what they haven't addressed, perhaps it's a longer process, is getting is separating these bikes, which actually involves making them quicker. Counterintuitively, but quicker is safer.
1: Yeah, or uh, disturbing the air uh, somewhat mm. in, in somewhere. All right, uh, MotoGP. Where were we uh, last weekend? We were, we were at Misano. So we're off to
4: Indonesia. Uh, are we? Indonesia, and that if it because, oh, yeah, because yeah. the super fights are going in a couple of weeks if it's open. Yeah, uh, Indonesia. Have I just done a year? I think you've uh, 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 jumped forward massively. Yeah, sorry. I, uh, it's Valencia is the last race. What's the penalty? Is it Portimao and Valencia? Sorry, I've got, I've, I've got my ears crossed. Portimao and Valencia for yeah, that, MotoGP. That's confused and me, but I wasn't going to
1: argue sorry with you. Sorry about that.
4: And yeah. Indonesia for Superbikes and and the MotoGP against Indonesia next year. It was a long conversation, about Indonesia.
1: Um, before we brain. move on, a couple of tweets coming in. At spectatorment, we encourage you to join in. Uh, Alan Prosser surely now it is in terms of Italian riders, here Valentino of Italian riders. Very good. Well, not a bad idea. Yeah, and, and Doug Amner, I've got news on his snack selection for tonight. He's given up on the hard gums, very poor. He's cracked open the emergency chocolate orange. I've, I have tweeted back to him, but I've always found that in lieu of wine gums, midget gems um, are the oh, next best thing. They stick to your teeth too much. Depends how you mix them. You've got to mix the right colours, I always think. It's always your way. I like the like, like black one, a white one and a red one together. Can't imagine why that is, can you? Uh, you're listening to Midweek Motorsport. Midweek snacks uh, this week, ket as it would be called, oh. from my neck of the woods. Uh Tim Gray, where would you like to take us next?
3: Oh, we're going to do some IndyCar news next. Uh, lots of testing going on, Shay.
5: Yes, at uh, Barber Motorsports Park this week, there was a very significant test as well because. It was Hulk making his uh, debut for uh, Aero, Schmidt peterson McLaren. And after running all day, he listed the fifth best time. So McLaren, uh, excuse me, a Smith-Peterson,
1: Schmidt peterson McLaren. Yeah.
5: I'm just going to call them not spam. <laughs> yeah, not has spam. announced that, <laughs> that uh, Stoffel Van Doren will also be testing for them in this offseason. So a little bit interesting there.
3: Lost
1: Shay. No, she just she stopped talking. talking. Uh, Skip uh, to the end of a sentence, I think you'll find that. God,
3: yes. As well. but ended it on an <laughs> up intonation. I'm <laughs> not sure she did. Uh, oh, we'll move America. on to David Melusicus then.
5: Uh, He was the quickest driver at that test uh, that I mentioned with the five drivers there. He is looking pretty locked in for a ride for this year uh, with Dale Coyne. And he seems pretty happy with the way that things are going so far. So it looks like another uh, product of the latter series moving on up to the big show.
3: He said, uh, I wasn't expecting it to be so good.
1: There we go.
5: <laughs>
1: well, he was That's very good. That's a of
5: confidence in your new team.
1: Yeah, no, he was uh, very good, wasn't he?
3: Logan Sargent, probably not going to do IndyCar.
5: No, and that was interesting. Uh, after it was announced that he would not be taking part in this Barber test, um, he. It sort of sidestepped Karun Shandok's questions about what his plans were going to be for the upcoming year, but he was announced as a was it Williams Junior driver? A Williams
3: tip? driver, yeah, it
1: was.
5: Yeah, and he was flat out asked, uh, "What are what are your plans for 2022, or what what do they involve? Where should we expect to see you?" And he basically said, "I can't talk about that yet." It was quite a <laughs> an affirmative answer. <laughs> well, at, at least he was.
1: Um, being honest about it, there was no hedging, was there?
5: Well, but he, he could have said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be racing in something in, you know, the U S or in Europe. He could have given some indication as to where he's going to be, but I I do understand the position that he's in, because if he has signed a contract that he can't talk about yet, then he can't talk about it yet. But it it is interesting that he's been in the headlines so much over the last couple of weeks, particularly.
3: Now, do you want to enter the Indy five hundred?
5: No. Do you?
4: Not really. Sorry, next you? <laughs> yeah, I'll enter it. Yep. yep right. Right, straight in. Excellent. You're I know, okay, just, just turn left.
3: Just the sort of person uh, that Will Morotti is looking for.
4: Terrific. Okay. Where do I sign? Uh
3: you just <laughs> need to uh, pledge uh a thousand or ten thousand or hundred thousand dollar. Uh, no, right. just a thousand or two thousand or three thousand or four thousand, up to ten thousand dollars in thousand dollar increments, and you can hold a percentage ownership stake in uh, the Marotti Autosport car uh, entering. I thought. Oh, next I thought I was year. driving. No, 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 no. no, no. You're, you're entering <laughs> as a team owner. Hang on. And on. Are you still interested? Over a hundred. No, no, he's not interested.
5: <laughs> I, I thought Tim was going to say it's a raffle that you can pledge a certain amount. It gives you raffle entries, and then they're going to draw for whoever gets to drive the car. Uh,
3: no. Uh, <laughs> but if the car wins, obviously you will get that percentage of your... Of the prize money. Prize money. So if you've invested $10,000 far and far you've got dollars,
4: and throw it down the drain, because <laughs> at least you have it some sort of
1: workout in doing that it'd be far better to take your thousand dollars go to uh, a casino of choice in las vegas and put it either on black or red because at that point you've got a 50 percent chance of winning rather than the one in 33 or even
4: better mm. if you want to be involved why not take your thousand dollars buy a ticket to indianapolis and go and watch the race
3: yeah, yeah. fair point well made uh, if you invest between $1,000 and 4000 uh, you also get other perks, including a private garage tour, driver autograph session, VIP team party, monthly newsletter, monthly Zoom meeting, T-shirt, hat, uh, ownership sure. certificate, race day... Ticket and a share of the purse.
4: Can I I ask you a question? Yes. After 18 months of lockdown, does anybody think an an extra Zoom meeting is an incentive? No. (laughs) No, Maybe not. Uh, Invest
3: £5,000 and you get all of that plus two dinner tickets and you can bring a plus one to the VIP party. Lovely. Uh, You also get two tickets to the IndyCar Experience two seater ride you get your name written on the car, and you get an additional race ticket.
1: You can have that for nothing with Mazda at the moment.
3: Yes. Uh, If you invest a full $10,000, you get two uh, Indy 500 suite passes. Your name is displayed more prominently on the car's livery. You get a framed ownership certificate. Wow. Um, And uh, for those of you who can't afford any of that... Until Thanksgiving, you can uh, invest $249, um, and uh, that gets you the chance to enter a raffle. A chance.
5: I knew there was a raffle.
3: Always. Uh, So far, and this is as of uh, two hours ago, uh, they've already raised $3,000.
4: Well done. Wow. Excellent.
3: This was only launched at lunchtime today. So, Yeah, well done.
1: Who's the driver? Hey, and they who's the, the driver yet. And They haven't they got, got a team. They sports.
4: haven't got a team. Can I point out they haven't got an entry? Uh, and more <laughs> importantly, uh, it's, it'll be oversubscribed next year, so they might uh, aren't even to necessarily get in the actual it. race. Yeah. yeah, very
3: good. That's a very good uh, point. Realistic... Actually,
4: more important, they haven't got an engine, which is the key shortage out there. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah that's fair enough. But they do have passion. If, if you put in $10,000, mm. uh, we can buy an engine from somewhere. I think they can, actually. Take, take no. one out to somebody. We can steal no, one from them. bribe somebody to give us one of their spares.
4: We can get an LS3 crate motor for less than 10 grand.
1: I'm not sure that would be legal. <laughs> I think that it's not a 2.6, so. is it? It's not a 2.6 twin turbo. It is
5: turbo. not a 2.6. I can <laughs> confirm that. No. No.
1: However, how good does the new Z06 look? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes, yes And please. indeed, Yes. I'm not yep. sure with 700 horsepower is quite enough though. Shade, are you?
5: Uh no, but it's tunable. It's I a good to... start.
1: <laughs> yes, fair point.
4: Well, this is <laughs> it's, it's normally aspirated. To have it, to make the thing really bonkers, it needs to have um, supercharger. You know, supercharger or well, actually, yeah. I suppose, I suppose those Chevy V8s. Supercharged. They got space? Yeah, but have they got the space to get the supercharger in? We can
1: find it.
5: They well. just take the just... bonnet off. Yeah, just cut on a hole top. in the bonnet.
1: Yeah, sitting on the top.
5: Easy. Yeah. So where it. there's a will, there's a way.
1: Yeah. I'm well, sure it's flip. tunable. Somebody, all, before the first cars get to their owners, and bear <laughs> in mind it is going to be available in right-hand drive as well. Um, so I know Creelsea is already salivating at the thought um, of them getting to Australia in the next two decades or whenever it is it'll take for them to get there two years i think it is um <laughs> so and even then they'll be turned away at the uh board they don't have <laughs> a oh too early too early tim um and uh, but that before they get to their new owners somebody will have a tuning kit because 700 oh horsepower sounds to room. me conservative for that fat flat plane crank motor which sounds phenomenal and yes, by the way, anybody at GM, um, I, I'd quite happily do some miles in one just to test it out for you. Uh, we've got a minute to go before half time, uh, Tim, just to prove we're live. It's now 0 0 2 1, 0 0 0 2, and 0 uh, 0. Which I'm looking at those very carefully to see who we might be playing in the uh, quarter finals. Uh, time for one more?
3: I think the volleyball's over because I have no pictures of this anymore. Ah, okay, fine.
1: Time for one more story, or do you want to go straight to half time?
3: Uh, let's go straight to half time and we can do uh, the um, all the other things together in uh, the second hour.
1: <laughs> I had forgotten that I all had this queued and up. Now, from <laughs> Don't have time for this now. It's the quiz of the week. got a big problem here. Just fade that down gently and I'll talk. <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, let me. Uh, <laughs>
1: let it play out and then I'll explain what the problem is. Ah. If you had it down a bit. I'll still talk over it.
0: Today's top prizes include this selection of domestic items. There's a sandwich toaster there, a coffee machine, a drinks dispenser, a tea maker, then a range of cookware in tangerine with saucepans, casseroles, plus that microwave oven and many other items. But now let's meet the man who asks the questions and pays out the money, Nicholas Parsons.
3: The problem we have is that... uh before the auction happened, one person bought everything for £2.1 million.
1: Ah, OK. So there's no point. So there was
3: literally no point.
1: Right, OK. Uh, let's move so for it... this.
2: Still to come on Midweek Motorsport. And is
1: there any chance you could bring some dessert to the VO booth, please? Uh, I think not, Mark, to be honest, but good try. I'd entertainment if you'd like to get in touch with us. Coming up in hour number two... Uh, we'll have Nick Damon and his team-by-team team on the quarter Formula One. Um, interesting, where are Adam will have our Visit Cayman Islands sports card news roundup, which includes some rookie news, some news uh, from uh, the uh, Americas. Uh, and included in that, with a bit of luck and a fair win, Johnny Palmer will be joining us. Looking back, at the last event of ELMS and Michelin Le Mans Cup, and looking forward to the last two events of WEC. Two months since we had a WEC event. That's all coming up next after we've talked talk after we spoken to the Visit Cayman Islands Sprint Cup Championship on RS
2: One.
1: Well, delighted to say that uh, we are joined now here on Midweek Motorsport by the Porsche Visit Cayman Islands Sprint Challenge Great Britain 2021 Professional Champion. And that is Theo Edgerton. Uh, Theo, uh, welcome to the show and congratulations. Hi, thanks
0: very much for having me on the show. Uh, Yeah, cheers. It's been a great season for me. You know, eight wins out of ten races. um, It couldn't have gone better. Um, me and Total Control Racing have done a great job all year in a competitive championship such as Porsche, and I'm really happy with how it's gone.
1: You had such a, a good, uh, such a good championship, in fact, that you decided to go on holiday for Donington when everybody else was there. Well, I don't know what you did, but you didn't need to go. Basically, you had it won by the time um, you'd had uh, a first and a second at Thruxton. <laughs>
0: yeah, but, you know, we had uh, we did five weekends, and I wrapped it up with a round to go, so. Yeah, there's no. There was no need really to uh, do Donington. Just put my feet up and sit back and relax and watch everyone else crack on.
1: Yeah, watch it. Yeah, Abs- Absolutely. What for our listeners who don't know you, what what were you doing before this year's championship?
0: Uh, so last year I did the Sprint Challenge as well for my first year, um, which was my first full year, and I finished third in the Pro category. Yeah. So it was just finding my feet really in the Porsche Championship and. Uh, just getting used to everything, really, because I'd never driven a GT4 car before. Mm-hmm. And then the year before that, I'd done Ginetta Juniors for half a year. Yeah. Um, and I'd just done national karting before that.
1: Ginetta uh, uh, Junior is always a, a great place for anybody to start, to learn full-size tracks um, and also full-size racing. Uh, but do you feel then that the Porsche Visit Cayman Island Sprint Challenge is a, is a, two, is a two-year championship? Do you, do you, was that how you went into it?
0: Yeah, I, th- I think um, I've learned a lot last year. I got my first win as well, which really gave me loads of confidence going into this year. Um, and just I had some really good competition last year, like um, Tom Jackson and James Dolan, mm. who'd already won championships in the past. So I was really up against some great people. And I just learned loads of racecraft. craft. And um, yeah, the driving standards were great as well. So. Um, I was just learning on that for this year, and then I moved on to this year, and obviously I did a uh, relatively well. So yeah, it was a two-year plan for us.
1: The uh, the car itself, we need to talk about this this Cayman GT4 car. I was at Porsche GB a couple of weeks ago, and they had three or four of them ready to be delivered to their to their new owners. And for for the uninitiated, GT4 cars now are pretty pretty sophisticated racing cars aren't they i mean the steering wheel in itself doesn't it, it's it's not just from the road car is it
0: no there, there's lots of uh different settings for it and everything but the great thing about it is uh, you can it's really adaptable for pros and AMs. so for me personally uh, i have the abs on low and i have traction control off but then for AMs as well they can turn it on so it makes it more friendly for them and as you get more used to the car, you can start turning off settings and just get more used to it, really. And I think it's really great for new people to come into the championship and really uh, push and see what they can
1: do. Uh, the season itself, as you said, couldn't have gone much better um, with, uh, I think I'm right in seeing a win on every weekend. Yes, a win on every weekend where you competed. So ex- at least one win every weekend that you competed. Um, and... You know, you started really well with two wins and two uh, fastest laps at at Thruxton. Um, when you came into this season, had you set yourself a target, Theo, of winning the championship?
0: Yeah, I had definitely set myself a target of winning the championship. That was the plan from the onset. Um, obviously, Thruxton went extremely well. And I was extremely confident that I could fulfil my aim of uh, winning the championship. And like you said, a win every weekend. Mm. Just uh, kept the consistency up over my rival's. And I was able to just stretch ahead. And uh, yeah, that was the aim from the onset, to just go ahead and win the championship.
1: You you were racing, as you said, with TCR, Total Control Racing. You were the only TCR-entered car there against people like Redline, who had a number of cars. Team Parker Racing had a number of of cars there as, as well. I mean... Good teams, all of them, TCR as well. That put you at a slight disadvantage in that you didn't have a teammate or any other data to look at.
0: Um, we had a, well going into 2020 for my first year, we had a really strong testing uh, plan. So I had a uh, driver coaches such as Jake Hill, touring car driver. <laughs> yes, we know Jake. So I was, able to, uh, I was able to use his data as well. So on the outside, it may have looked like uh, it was just a one-man team, but I had lots of great people around me, so I wasn't really at a disadvantage. Um, And obviously, I have my team manager, Lee Brooks. He was once a touring car racer himself as well.
1: I'm old enough to remember Lee driving. So, yes, absolutely. Uh, Some good people around. How important is that, do you think, Theo, to have that kind of support when you are so... And I I don't mean this in a bad way, but you are relatively inexperienced in car racing.
0: Yeah, it's extremely important. You know, from the first time I got an Ingeneta Junior in uh, 2018, I had a driver coach with me and I've always had uh, people around me to help me and support me to make me uh, as fast as I can, basically. So I think that's extremely important. So from day one to have people around you like Jake and Lee to help you uh, progress. And that's what we've done. And I think it's worked out really well.
1: Now, you were in the professional category. That's the overall championship. Jack Bartholomew. Uh, Ethan Hawkey, uh, closest to you, uh, but at some distance, uh, allowing you to take that Dono, the Donington uh, GP uh, um, circuit race off. Um, Professional is a big word. I mean, is that is that what you are aiming to be? Then a professional racing driver and move on with this as your career.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I'm going for. Um, To become a professional paid racing driver is my dream. Obviously, that is quite hard, but I'm not going to give up, and I'm going to keep trying to go for it. Um, but I think this year has really boosted um, like my name in the world of motorsport. People are starting to know who I am a bit more, so yeah. I think it's uh, been really great for me.
1: And how old are you now, Theo, if you don't mind me asking?
0: I'm 17.
1: So you've come out of a traditional karting background, um, f- straight into what we would call GT cars, Never interested in single-seaters?
0: Um, I did test a single-seater a few years ago in 2019 with Arden Motorsport. But um, I, I was more interested in the GT cars personally. I think there's more of a future in GTs than right. single-seaters. So that's the uh, that's the route I chose.
1: You'll not hear anybody that listens to this programme or indeed this presenter argue with you about that, obviously, with our links to sports car, GT and endurance racing, and particularly Le Mans. Um... Well, part of your prize is a, a, a trip to the Cayman Islands, um, which you can take uh, at, at your leisure, and leisure being the operative word there, as well as so there's plenty to do out there in terms of uh, in terms of sportiness as well. Um, once you've got that out of the way, plans for 2022?
0: Um, plans for 2022 are, well, I've got my uh, Porsche Junior Shootout scholarship coming up oh, on the yes. 3rd of November, which I'm a finalist for, which I'm very grateful for. Um, so,
1: And where's that, Theo? Sorry? And where is that taking place? That's at
0: Silverstone, so right. Porsche Experience Centre, and we're doing stuff on the track as well. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that goes well for me. But uh, even if it doesn't come off, I'm looking to do Crow Cup next year.
1: First year of the new 992 Cup car next year for Carrera Cup GB. We've been watching that in IMSA and Carrera Cup Asia this year. It's a phenomenal-looking beast. Have you had an opportunity to sit in a Cup car of of any description yet? I was lucky enough to drive one, actually,
0: uh, last Wednesday at Silverstone GP with Team Parker Racing. So that that was an amazing experience. They're so fast and agile, and I actually loved it
1: can you even compare that with the gt4 car
0: no they're very very different
1: <laughs> <laughs> i like you're very good you're very good you might have a future in this no absolutely not uh, the, the new 992 as well from the times that we've been seeing set in in the um, carrera cup north america um mm-hmm. it's it's right up there with gt3 times um gt3 category car times the, the, it's now I mean, from a GT4 to a Cup car, you would have said it in years gone by wasn't that big of a step up. But this car seems to be so much quicker, this new car. Um, and I'm, I'm hearing there's 30 cars coming into the UK next year. I mean, that's already a very competitive championship. Do you feel with the new car coming in, it sort of flattens the playing field a little bit?
0: Yeah, I do, actually, because um, I know the 991.2 was very, very difficult to drive and it, it really took time for people to master. Yes. So I think um, going back to the 992 now for next year, I think it should level the playing field and put everyone back to square one.
1: And are you stepping up with TCR or is it is that TBA as far as the team's concerned? Um, I'm not
0: actually sure at the moment. Um, we've had a few discussions with a few different teams, so nothing's, uh, nothing's sorted just yet, but we're... We're looking around and seeing. Uh, just we've just made our making our choices at the moment.
1: And how far down the line, Theo, do you have to look in terms of your career? You're a young man still in your late teens, but obviously you want. You've said you want to make a career out of this. So, do you have, as we're sitting here now, do you have a three year plan? Do you have a five year plan? How How does that work? Um, well, every year we're just um, weighing
0: up our options and trying to see what's best for me. Um, like, if, So, uh, career Cup's on TV, so we think that's mm. great for us. Um, we're not looking too far ahead at the moment. We're just taking it as it comes. Um, but I think Crower Cup is perfect for me, for my GT, uh, potential career in uh, GTs, because like you said, the Crower Cup now, the 992, is so similar to GT3 cars. Mm, we think it's a great step up for me.
1: Yeah, and the UK is not going to take the ABS option either, is, is what I'm hearing from um, uh, contacts uh, at uh, Porsche uh, Carrera Cup JB, I know that they have they have put it on the cars in in all the classes in uh, in the US because they think it's a help for for young drivers. I'm, I'm letting them believe it won't be, so it it will still be a tough car. And all of that uh, brake modulation is something um, that that everybody's gonna gonna have to uh, gonna have to learn. Uh, Porsche is such a great brand, and it, it's so intrinsically. Uh, involved in gt and endurance racing when as a young driver you were picking options a couple of seasons ago three seasons ago now um, for where you were going to go did that factor into your thinking theo that porsche is such a big name and and there is a potential manufacturer opportunity there in young driver terms
0: yeah yeah definitely i think uh, porsche have got a they're a great brand, a prestigious brand, and they always bring great grids to the UK in particular. Mm. Um, I think they've always got strong championships all around the world, which opens up many options for me. Um, and obviously, they've they're a big brand in uh, factory racing. So Le Mans, for example, they got the 911 RSR, and they're doing they were doing LMP1s as well. Mm. So I think that um, that's, a, that's a potential route. You know, to become a factory driver for Porsche would be amazing. But um, yeah. Definitely when we were choosing which championships to go for a few years ago, before I just sprint challenge, they were uh, definitely the, uh, a big choice for us, and we decided to go for them for the uh, prestigious brand.
1: Uh, it's fair to say you've had a very good year, Theo, with yourself and, and TCR Total Control Racing. Uh, congratulations to you and the team, and everybody who supported you as well. Um, starting off on a career in motor racing, any form of career in motor racing, it's is never easy. Who, who's who been backing you? Are, are you still effectively self-funding this through the family or have you got some sponsors behind you?
0: Yeah, we are mostly self-funding it, in all honesty. Um, we've got a few sponsors on board, but um, ideally we'd like a few more. <laughs> but uh, it's very difficult in this current climate with COVID and everything. Of course. So, um, But yeah,
1: fingers crossed we can uh, do Query Cup next
0: year. That'll be great.
1: Yeah, well, we wish you the best in that and we'll keep an eye on you. Uh, Theo Edgerton, a very, very, very uh, significant season for you uh, last year and the champion in the pro category of Porsche Visit Cayman Islands Sprint Challenge here in Great Britain for 2021. Uh, Hopefully, we'll talk to you again in the future uh, at various tracks, not just in the UK, but around the world as your endurance and GT career uh, continues. Thanks for coming on Midweek Motorsport, Theo.
3: Thank you very much. Theo Edgerton there. Uh, and uh, I can now say we have our next guest lined up and say welcome, Johnny Palmer. Good evening, Johnny.
2: Good evening, Tim. Ooh.
3: Hello, GP. How are you? Lovely, clear line. Sounds like you're sitting next to me.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, fantastic.
1: Uh, you, were at, you better uh, not be, because I've called. <laughs> if he's sitting next year, he should have his headset on rather than me getting him <laughs> in here. <laughs> One of you going to get slapped across the back of the head.
3: <laughs> I can't quite reach the monitor in the way. Uh, what um, you were at Portimao at the weekend for the conclusion for the of the European Le Mans series, of course.
2: I was. And uh, a thoroughly entertaining event it was too, although uh, sadly, the first, I think, the first red flag of the season after yeah. a horrible accident for uh, the Greek driver, Andreas Laskaratos, uh, in avoidance of a spinning Memo Rojas. So, where uh, that uh, brought us to a halt for 20 odd minutes. And it's one of those awkward races, not least because, of course, we want to make sure that Andreas and Memo are okay. And once we'd achieved that, they then go and adjust all the drive time amounts, don't they? So we're issued with uh, these special bulletins to, to try and stay on top of uh, the, the, the non-pro drivers and how long they have to stay in the car and making sure that everyone has abided by the rules. But eventually it was, surprisingly enough, a first win of the season for defending champion Phil Hansen, who, of course, moved to gold Last winter, and it was joined by Tom Gamble and uh, Jonathan Aberdeen. So they were able to take victory. We already knew that Team WRT had uh, managed to score on their debut season uh, an LMP2 team victory with a round to spare. They they managed to do that at Spa last month.
1: And as far as the uh, the championships went, uh, J.P. because it was the the final round, and there was a bit to play for going into Portimao.
2: Yes. um, And discussions were had actually fairly late on into the night, so much so at LMP3 level that uh, Alan McNish, who was doing the presentation ceremony, kind of had to skip over LMP3 because discussions were still being had in the stewards room. But um, later on, Laurence Hoare arrived, um, tapping Alan McNish on the shoulder and said, I'm ready. I've been announced <laughs> as the champion. Can we get you back on stage, please? And this was about 30 minutes after the, the ceremony itself had come to a close. Nowhere. So, yeah, yeah. So they had to, I mean, the music had started. Everyone had started drinking. They turned the lights down. And, um, yeah, it was a question of, hang on a minute, hold the party. We have another presentation to make. And uh, after it had obviously been, um, uh, you know, verified with uh, the, the all of the people that have the final say-so, Laurence Hoare was announced as the lone driver's champion in LMP3 because uh, he'd had a couple of different um, co-drivers through the course of the year. But that's a, a first-ever title at LMP3 level in ELMS for DKR Engineering. They've been doing all the winning in Michelin Le Mans Cup. Yeah. So, actually, that's a fifth title in a row now for DKR what? Engineering and a third in a row for Lawrence Hall. Uh, and what was, what was
1: the discussion about? Did we get to find that out or does it, it matter
2: not now? Well, yeah, it's sort of water under the bridge now, but it obviously concerned uh, the result of, of that final race. And um, I, I was racking my brains. I don't remember any contact for mm. the number three car. I think there's possibly an issue about drive time. And when there's a title up for grabs,
1: uh, you, you know, get they, it
2: they, right. they were, they, yeah, precisely. And I think there may have been one or two protests in that had to be followed towards their end. And once all that was done, um, it was a shame, actually, for for Cool Racing, for Matt Bell's crew, also joined by Nicholas Crouzet and Nicola Molini, because they arrived in Portugal as the championship leaders, but uh, had a horror weekend, uh, uh, and as a result, it went to DKR.
1: Uh, Iron Links crowned the champions in GTE.
2: Yes, um, and again, it's been a, a dominant season for them, not not only in uh, in ELMS, but also. In, in the Michelin Le Mans Cup as well. So they get an, a, a repeat invitation for next year's Le Mans because of their victory with Car 8 in the Michelin Le Mans Cup. But at L- ELMS level, um, full 25 points going to Matteo Cressoni, Rino Mestrinadi and Miguel Molina and their nearest rivals, um Could only finish fourth. That was David Perel and Duncan Cameron in the end for the Spirit of Race crew. They'd taken victory earlier on the season at Monza. And the defending champions in the World Endurance Championship have also been doing ELMS this year. That's Francois Perodo, Manu Collard, Alessio Rivera. They finished way down in eighth place. And uh, again, they needed to score well to try and out jump the 80 car. So it is uh, car 80 and Iron Links, as you say, taking victory at GTE level.
1: Uh, and uh, Team WRT, of course, are the overall champion. So who's going to get all of the invitations there, then, JP, for for Le Mans? We've we've got some uh, invitations that have been handed out, I take it.
2: Yes, we have. So WRT had already secured their invitation for next year by winning the title at Spa-Francorchamps in September, but also the second-place team in LMP2 gets an automatic invite. So that is the 22 United Autosports car that right. uh, sneaked in with its first win of the season. Right, so that was a significant
1: LMP, result for them at the weekend. Then. It,
2: it was, yeah. yes, because they were able to, I think they jumped up a certainly a place, yeah. two places they jumped up, yeah. in fact, above G-Drive Racing and Panis Racing, the 26 and the 65 cars, therefore demoted to third and fourth, respectively. There's also an automatic invitation to... The LMP3 champions. Now, you can't run LMP3 in the main 24-hour yeah. race, I hear you say. That's quite
1: right. I heard you say that but at the weekend, you... actually, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, there you go. But you can you, you can utilise LMP2 car, so that means we're going to see DKR for the first time at LMP2 level in the modern era. Now, if you go back far enough, I think Graham Goodwin found out that they'd run a Dome in the past, the and heart? that was yeah. an LMP2 rules car, but uh, it was a few years ago, so it's good to have the Luxembourgish team back again uh, at lmp2 level and then the top two in gte also get places so iron links with their 126 points with their 80 car and again it was a fair old fist fight for mm. second position spirit of race entering the weekend in third but they jumped ahead of car 88 the af course of ferrari and bag the second invitation so swiss squad spirit of race also going to be there presumably with duncan cameron
1: uh, and not the only championships uh To be uh, sorted out at the weekend because, of course, Michelin Le Monde Cup finished as well. We've been following that all year with you and Graeme uh, here on the Radio Shore Limited network of channels. Uh, GT3, Nicholas Ludfeiler getting the driver's crown in GT3.
2: Yes, uh, and he again will be a solo champion because Mm -hmm. for a a, a round.
1: A couple couple of times, one Uh, times, yeah.
2: Yeah, I, th- I have a feeling Julian Anlau was busy at uh, Nürburgring. It might have even been the 24 hours I think because you I might remember be right. that, uh, yeah. Paul Ricard clashed with that weekend. So he got Wolf Hensler, Hensler in instead. <laughs> not exactly a bad soap, really, was it? Precisely. Yeah. Um, but it, it meant that Lloyd Wieler was therefore the only ever present and had mani- managed to outscore. Uh, Paolo Roberti, who he was um, fighting with in the number eight car. So eight wins the title. Now, a quirk of the rule set means that and this is trying to get around the sort of hooky bronze drivers that are a little bit too good for being bronze, a bronze plus. So if if a bronze driver starts getting some very good lap times, they take something like the top ten average times out of the previous meeting. And if it goes beneath a certain delta, You have to take an 80-second extra period of time in the pits. Now, I and Lynx think, well, we're not going to use Reno Mastronardi if he's going to cost us time uh, during the pit stop halfway through the race. So they brought in Gabriele Lancieri as a sort of second bronze. Therefore, Mastronardi, who accumulated quite a few points before that happened, uh, can no longer score points. So Lancieri starting from base zero. The one ever present in that car was uh, Paolo Roberti, but he didn't score as many points as um, as the eventual winner, Nicky Leutbihler. So congratulations to him. There's no invitation as such for the drivers, mm-hmm. uh, but we know that Iron Link's car eight will get an automatic invitation to the 24 hours of Le Mans next year. No automatic invitation for the uh, championship winners at LMP three level, but that was a first ever win for nielsen racing great it was phoenix
1: that won the race and and well done to them and i I don't really want to overshadow that but this is a great story because colin noble and tony wells they've been second at least what three times
2: now let's just have a look back um 2019 they were third 2018 they were second, yes, with the Yakuria Koss Nielsen racing car as it was then, always falling second to DKR Engineering. Because remember, LMP3 has only been part of the Le Mans Cup, the Michelin Le Mans Cup, since 2017. Ah, uh, good point. And in 17, 18, 19, and 20, it was DKR, just with a, an orange and black wash across the whole of that title so finally that stranglehold is broken and yes it goes to uh sven thompson's team nielsen racing for middlesbrough man tony wells and uh the man from edinburgh colin noble
1: yeah great stuff uh, um from them i think that that is uh, a a great story uh tim gray wants to have a quick word
3: yes yeah, we were talking about bringing in bronze ringers uh, oh. in one breath, and then saying, oh, they got Gabriele Lancieri. Hang on, the Gabriele Lancieri multiple race winner in Formula 3000, not a ringer?
2: In Formula 1? No, one. no, I didn't, I, I didn't say he wasn't a ringer. I just said that uh, all of a sudden his lap times don't matter because um, you're starting from a, a round where he's never done it before, and then he starts to become assessed. I think he came in at the fourth round or third round of the season at Paul Ricard, And he starts to get assessed from that point on. But to my mind, I don't think the lancieri roberti combination did have to take extra time. So maybe he's lost a bit of his previous talent, Tim. I mean, it was 20 years ago. I was going to say Formula 3.
1: Yes, you've just realised that, haven't you? It's not just a couple of years ago. That's beyond amazing. Um, Before we let you go, JP, got to talk about um, the first time ever that we've had Two races and two-week ends for WEC at the same circuit. After quite a break, actually, since Le Mans. um, Previous to that, the the previous round was Monza, which seems a million years ago. 31 cars for the first of two outings uh, at the Bahrain circuit. Both on the same circuit, but both at different times of day. We've lost the Project 1 Porsche, um, the number 46 car.
2: Yeah, and that's down to funded drivers, unfortunately. Dennis Olsen was raring to go as the goal, but it needed a bronze and a silver. The car's actually on site and uh, ready for anyone to jump into it. They haven't yet, Team Project, out it taking part mm. in the eight-hour race of Bahrain, which is, as you say, seven days later. But... Um, it's just not been a, a great start to that car because at Spa-Francorchamps, it crashed in one of the practice sessions. They couldn't repair the chassis in time for the eight hours of Portimao. We finally saw it at Monza and it did race at Le Mans. But uh, there is a chance that it may not do four of the six races the way we're going.
1: Now, uh, uh, we uh, we should have been in Fuji and that's why this is the replacement for Fuji, uh, if you will. Bit of an interesting one in the number one Richard uh, Richard Mille racing Orica. Um Sophia Flerch and Baiskevisa, um Tatiana Calderon unavailable this weekend because she's in Suzuka for Super Formula. Um, yeah, should be back for the eight hour. So Gabriel Aubrey becomes only the second male driver to be part of that squad.
2: Yeah, Andre nagrau has driven for them. I seem to remember in the past and uh, um... when
1: Catherine Leg was um, was injured. Yes, you're very, Correct. very by
2: the way... well done. Cat is in back in uh, the WEC, not for that team, but she'll be racing as part of the Iron Dames uh, 80... Now, let's get this right. In this championship, they are the 85 car rather than the 83 as they run in the European Le Mans series. But Kat raced with Rahel Fry and Sarah Bovey, or certainly with Fry, yeah. at the start of the year at Spa. So she goes back into Iron Links, And yes, um, Gabrielle Aubrey, who has had a, an up-and-down year... Um, or oh, no, was it last year that he, he had uh, found himself to be uh, contracted COVID? So, uh, you know, there have been health issues for Gabby uh, at times, but I'm impressed with the amount of options he's got because he's raced with two or three LMP2 teams within the last 18 months. And Richard Meal Racing, on that topic, there's there's to be a uh, post-event rookie test as there always is at Bahrain. This will be on Sunday, the 7th of November and the top two in this year's W series already going to that. So uh, Alice Powell and Jamie Chadwick. But do you remember a young driver that you and I commentated on in the Alpine Elf Europa Cup Barcelona. during the Barcelona yeah. 24 hours, Lilou Wadu, yeah. who I'm a massive fan of. She got her first win of the year at Portimao last weekend because the, uh, the little Alpines were in support of the ELMS. She's down for the rookie test as well.
1: Yeah, that was a good drive by her. I-, I think she's got a real future, and it's good to see those three drivers, and particularly her. All right, W Series, it's big, it's shiny, it's got a lot of money behind it, and all of those drivers are driving on the Series money. She's drive. she's paying her own way there. And I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm not taking anything away from, from Jamie or from Alice, who particularly Alice Powell, who's had to take some time out because she couldn't get funding to go racing. But I think it's really good that, uh, that Lila Wadu is, is back in in there as well. So all 11 LMP2s this weekend with three driver lineups. That's interesting, but in some ways not surprising, JP, because I think this is the first time we've ever done a race, and this is the six-hour version. We've got an eight-hour to come. I think this is the first time we've done a full race in in daytime, in daylight hours, in the sunshine.
2: At Bahrain, yes, and uh, the temperatures are expected to be about 32 degrees Mm. Celsius, so um, yes, that's that's, what's up, 90 Fahrenheit. So um, the driver changes, I think, are going to be crucial, although interestingly, nobody's adopted that uh, methodology in GT Pro. Um, They're all... um, you know, going to take to sort of uh, expose themselves to a bit of brutality through the course of the six hours. Uh, Interestingly, Ferrari are going to stay at two drivers, even for the eight hours as well, the following weekend. So it'll be Collado and Pierre Guidi in the 51 Ferrari, Molina and Sarah in the 52, whereas Porsche will bring in Fred Makoviki in the 91 and Michael Christensen in the 92, as they did at Le Mans. And as they did at the eight hours of Portimao as well. So it's a strange decision from Ferrari. Maybe they just think it breaks their rhythm by bringing in a third.
1: Yeah, very good. Um, I, I, it, which which
2: car did you say Catherine's in?
1: 85, isn't it? 85, yeah. yeah. She, she, replacing Michelle Gatting, I presume, is she?
2: Yes. Uh, right. Michelle's been doing quite a bit of um, Ferrari Challenge Europe. So I wonder whether there's a clash there. But I, I think Michelle... I don't know, actually, whether there's going to be a tweak to that lineup for the eight hours or whether it will stay mm. as such. But um, that car, one of only a few, not carrying success ballast, because plenty have been performing well in the results of the previous two races and the championship as well. The heaviest car is going to be the 83 Ferrari that leads the championship, Perodo, Rivera and Nielsen. Uh,
1: bizarrely, uh, as we get to this stage of the season, and, and I, I had to look this up to, to find it because it's been such a long time since... Uh, even since Le Mans it seems to me or at least that's not true but there's been a lot of racing in between times only 13 points separating the top four teams uh, in the LMP2 Championship um, Jota Sport in the 28 Stoffel van Doorn, Sean Galil and Tom Blomqvist leading 23 drivers and 8 teams mathematically still in contention for the Championship and of course next week Endres it's one and a half times points because it's 8 hours work yes. that one out you're gonna to have to have well, an abacus out
2: i think i might have to yeah shoes and socks off time I, I do know that there's 65 points left on the table right so that's 38 for a win in the second weekend 25 for this weekend and the two points for pole position in each of the individual races but yes um let's just have a look at the, the, the standings in lmp2 as you say it is eight teams and I can run through those. Uh, so it's Jota that lead on 28. Team WRT, we're still in the, the mixture, only a point behind. Wow. The second Jota car, 38. United's car, 22. inter Europol competition of Poland. Racing Team Nederland, they're up there despite being a pro-am car. Dragon Speed USA, likewise a pro-am car. And Real Team Racing, wow. all mathematically with a chance of taking the title. Wow. Toyota, of course, um, have
1: got the manufacturer's Championship. It's one of their two... Cars set for the drivers' championship. Only nine points between Jose Maria Lopez, Kami uh, Kami Kobayashi, Mike Conway uh, ahead of the number 8 there in the seven ahead of the number eight of Hartley, Kazuki Nakajima, and Seb Wayne. I suppose in some respect you'd say that the seven car have got the momentum. They're coming off the Le Mans win. Um, it, I, I can't say, and I, I, I would, I don't know. And now that. Mike Conway has has won Le Mans. I, I I think he'll be quite happy with getting that monkey off his back. Uh,
2: yes, true. They, they have been world champions in the past, but uh, what I like is that there's so few points separating the t- the two uh, t- the two cars. So it's very tough to call. And um, Bahrain, yes, with wide expanses, but uh, there have been some big incidents there through the course of uh, the. the, the a period of time that 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 race has been run we have had an eight hours before as well and that going into the darkness so two very different um uh, iterations of the race one being entirely held in daylight i don't think we should necessarily count discount the alpine though either because generally for a race
1: win oh no absolutely not no
2: no well a single lap speed it's quicker car but the problem is built to the previous set of regulations the fuel tank still not as big as it could be and as big as the regulations stipulate. They've adjusted the weights, so 26 kilos taken off each of the Toyotas, down to 1040, but they've also taken some weight off the Alpine so that it now weighs 20 kilos less than an LMP2 car, so that's down yeah. to 930 kilos. And, you know, the megajoules have been wiped as well, well, not wiped, but there's a fair bit of the megajoule power per stint been taken off too and we're back to 520 kilowatts for the Toyota, that's combined power mm. of the ICE and the hybrid uh,
1: I'll bring share in for this last story, um, Pascal Zolinden, really lovely bloke, stepping away from uh, the motorsport side of Porsche, um, we've known him for quite a long time, Share both at Le Mans and in the uh, American series in, in IMSEC, wants to stay with Porsche though
5: Yes, very much so. And he he said that he was stepping away for um, personal reasons, wasn't it, John? So um, best wishes to to he and his family in hopes that everything is okay and that he can come back aboard uh, relatively soon because he has been a very good captain of that ship over the last couple of years. A lot of success.
1: Uh, he, he was mega. He has a great giggle as well. Uh, and he's often made me laugh. And he's always been available for us and to answer the hard questions. So the first of two rounds of WEC at Bahrain this weekend. JP on duty um, with me for his sins on Friday <laughs> for qualifying which we have live for you that's and a then, 2.20 in the UK and then Johnny Moulham will be uh, stepping so it is it is WEC by John and Johnny this weekend the two Johnnies uh, J Palm and J Moore uh, at the the weekend and what time are we starting on Saturday for the main race uh,
3: down to Greens at
1: 8.30 in the morning yes alright JP enjoy that and I'll speak to you on Friday yeah, looking forward to it. See Thank you, then. you, mate. Thanks, Johnny. Great work at the weekend. Really enjoyed it.
3: And before uh, that, tomorrow night at 9 on uh, RS1, it's On The Grid, and this week their guest is Nick Percat talking about his move to Walking Andressa United for 2022. Uh, also talking to David Tunnicliffe about how uh, Supercar TV is covering eight consecutive... eight... Six consecutive race weekends and a full preview of the weekend rundown of the latest news and special announcement for uh, readers of the race talk and On The Grid listeners. Very good. That's tomorrow night at nine here on RS1. Now, Nick Damon returns because it's time for Nick Damon's team-by-team review of the Formula One Grand Prix of the Circuit of the Americas. And we're going to start with AlphaTauri we are
4: um we're not going on a pit walk we're not going to uh, attempt to talk to any celebrities not allowed um, to do that we're just step no. away well i think i am allowed to do it
1: who do you think you are who do you think you are you're not allowed to do that okay
4: Honestly. do you work
3: for me get off my grid
1: <laughs> i'd like, to point, out, I'd like to point out i've been
4: blanked by far bigger celebrities
1: <laughs> well done moving on
4: <laughs> i haven't spoken to me obviously um uh, Pierre Gasly, uh, right, so we'll start with the uh, the Austin Grand Prix. Uh, quite bumpy, and that caused a number of issues. Uh, quite hot, that was surprising, and quite well attended, which was good to see. um, um were one of the teams to fall foul of the bumps as Pierre Gasly's car developed suspension problems, they say, caused by the constant pummeling. And he didn't do particularly very much and came in dead last over time on 14 laps. His teammate, Yuki Tsunoda continued his sort of mini comeback, uh, was awkward at the start for Valtteri Bottas to get past. Didn't really make a mistake the entirety of the race and came in ninth and got a little bit of TV time as well. So, well done, Yuki. Um, Your mini-revival is carrying on. Uh, And
3: next is Alpine.
4: Everything broke. It all broke. Esteban's car broke. His wing broke at the start. Um, uh, Alonso broke. Kimi Räikkönen's car then got upset because he took... I mean, this was fantastic... Alonso had a moan because Räikkönen overtook him off the circuit when Alonso had pushed him off the circuit in the first place. You're kind of going, yeah, all right, Fernando. you can't have it both ways. And then Alan Permain managed to get himself on, who's the race engineer, sorry, the um, team, team manager. So to managing himself on where radio, go. oh, well, it's going to be fine, isn't it? Because uh, it, people are allowed to overtake off the circuit now. Everything stop being silly, Alan. Uh, and then and that, it was just a kind of a pantomime of people at the back of the grid falling off and wanting and to overtake each other. But the, the net effect was that both the Alpines broke down due to vibrations as well. So they'll be embarrassed by that and hide.
3: Uh, so we move on to Haas. Not last yes. and second last this week. Uh, They're both still running at the end, although both two laps down. And Nikita Ma- Mazipan uh, on, has burnt feet.
4: <laughs> well, yes, he didn't, he didn't. He actually had to come into the pit at the end of the first lap his headrest came undone, which, if you remember, the last time you can remember this happening was three or four years ago in Baku, but that was Lewis Hamilton and cost him the race. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't properly attached. He came in, so he was was 25 seconds down to begin with. He then continued to be absolutely horribly slow and ended up um, something like uh, a minute behind his teammate. Schumacher wasn't really. Neither of them were seen really on the coverage of right race. I and Mick Schumacher sort of almost did get in the way of uh, Max Verstappen on his, on his penultimate lap, but then he also did him a favour by giving him DRS. So uh, another the American team in America with its German driver and its Russian driver and Russian finances, um, yeah. So uh, mm, uh, another very bad weekend for them uh, this time at a race, which is nominally their home race.
3: There was a article uh, on Fox Sports uh, this week. Uh, explaining why uh, Haas is so terrible in Formula 1. And uh, actually, doesn't explain it at all. It doesn't mention any of the real reasons why they're so terrible in Formula 1. Yeah, uh, right, but it's, it's a good read. No. Uh, we we'll move on to Williams.
4: Yeah, OK. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, and, uh, we, uh, George Russell took an engine uh, and complete engine and started at the back, well, one of the many bits at the back, Uh, had a quiet race, overtook a few people. Because the TV made a mistake on the first corner and uh, punted. That's a mistake. It's it's kind of a confluence of cars in that area. And so he ended up touching the back of Strolls. um, Aston Martin ended up not facing the right way. Lost a lot of time, never caught back up again. Uh, Another less than good race. So a couple of poor races now for Williams. Not for any other reason. The car's not particularly quick. Um, After some good run of points, they'll be hoping something different in Mexico.
3: Uh, and oh, you did mention Latifi, didn't you? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so that. we move on to Alf Romeo.
4: Alf yes. Alf snatching defeat from the jaws of potential point scoring victory. Uh, King Ragan had another busy race, that incident with uh, Alonso, which uh, resulted in him losing his floor. He then said was the reason why he spun out of 10th place with a few laps to go. Uh, so in the, Lack of floor, but a lack of downforce when his tyres have worn out, hadn't got quite enough grip, and he just spun. Um, my guess was what actually happened was he made a basic mistake. Antonio Giovinazzi you know, kind of flaunted his chance of getting in some points at some point and didn't. So, again, uh, Alfa Romeo, Subway, got no points, no one's buying them, but that's not the a problem. They're fine.
3: Alfa Romeo is again? just done. Aston <laughs> Martin.
4: Yes, um... Especially Vettel started one of the teams. People start at the back with a with a brand new engine. The the link between these new engines are all they're all Mercedes at the moment. Um, he uh, did pretty well. Got himself up to tenth. played very sensibly. Uh, Lance Stroll again. He got um, thumped to the backside by uh, Latifi, not deliberately in the first corner. That kind of put him out of position. It's, and and in this very tight midfield, you can't afford to throw those places away. And he ended up in twelfth. So again, not just one point for. Uh, Aston Martin, who will be very pleased to see the back of this season with a car they've not been able to develop to the rule changes brought in for the beginning of the year.
3: Uh, on to the cars that actually finished on the lead lap, and uh, start with McLaren.
4: Yeah, I mean the top eight cars is are covered by four teams, so which kind of, we've got, it does show how we've we've had this situation. Now the season's run through, that we do have uh, certainties have pulled away from the others. As they've divert their cars or when the stop they've tuned their cars up. The only person who can occasionally get into this kind of by rights into this top eight is Gasly, but we always said he was the first person out with suspension problems. So McLaren ended up with the, the least effective at this particular weekend of the top four teams with a fifth and an eighth. Norris and Ricky looking better than he has done for a while uh, came in ahead of uh, Norris. Most of that was decided on the first lap when they had a mighty scrap with Carlos Sainz coming into turn 12. Um, signs went off, Lando backed out to avoid it, uh, Ricciardo went round the outside, and uh, then rather annoyingly for Carl Sainz, he was told to let Lando Norris through, but then he did the sneaky way where he let Lando sort of down the hill towards the, the turn before the main straight the back straight, sorry, and therefore let, let him pass, and then got DRS went straight back past him again. Oddly, a situation which was frowned upon very much at Spa in 2008, uh, when um, a very similar thing happened between Kimi Raikkonen and Lewis Hamilton, and Lewis Hamilton got himself kicked out, well, demoted from the race in the end, in a vain attempt by Max Moses to keep the championship open, which did work, I suppose. Um, really, certainly when the FA were a lot more favourable towards Ferrari than they have been recently. But there we are. You should never. The previous races before, no precedent. What is a, a Canters fine in current days? Always remember that. Uh, yes, yeah, so Ricciardo did well, got fifth place, um, but they certainly, McLaren don't look quite as competitive uh, as they have done with Ferrari, who seem to be particularly benefiting from their engine upgrade.
3: And we move on to Ferrari.
4: Yes, yeah, so Carlos Sainz um, qualified on the soft tyre, not quite sure why, uh, and then had this kind of kerfuffle with both the McLarens. During the uh, the course of the race, he got ahead of both of them again, but uh, unfortunately they they tried stuff up his pit stop. Ricky got past, and that was it really. So he ended up coming home in seventh. Chalica, um had a very lonely run to fourth. Good qualifying got him up there, and then he ran around in that position. He was a bit close to Sergio Perez than he expected for reasons to we'll go into later. But um, yeah, I mean it was a good another great result for Leclerc, another positive move forward for ferrari who are obviously putting down the ground uh, putting down the groundwork for hopefully for them a much more solid and possibly some championship challenging 2022 mercedes-benz yeah so valtteri bottas okay you have valtteri bottas a just two weeks ago in turkey where he was brilliant he won the race in the wet he dominated fantastic now we have the other valtteri bottas who was absolutely rubbish um, he took a 5 pace penalty, started ninth, and just got stuck and just didn't seem to be able to do anything. And really, I mean, you know, it's just like, oh, come on, Valtteri, you can't even get past the rubbish cars. Eventually um, worked about to sixth. must admit, I'm not overly sure how he did that. I think it must be by strategy rather than actually overtaking anybody. But this is the paradox, and this is why Valtteri Borges is not a Mercedes driver next year, is because he's just so inconsistent. Um, and the worrying thing, I think, really is his inconsistency tends to... to, to coincide with him being in the middle of the pack. And that's where he's going to be next year for Alfa Romeo. So he's going to have to change that mindset um, to work his way through the cars a bit more or take the opportunities when they come. So yeah, after a great performance two weeks ago, uh, a very poor one this time. Um, Lewis Hamilton, of course, uh, came second, uh, did what he could do, uh, took the lead at the start, and then um, Red Bull uh, pulled some strategy. But the weird thing was, I was watching the race and – you know they say oh it's going to be catching up they'll be within four or five laps everyone seems to have forgotten you know these cars are the ultimate development even though they've been slightly de-developed by the fact of the change of the year but they're the ultimate concepts of cars over four years what's the one thing we know about mercedes and traffic they're rubbish in traffic they're terrible following other cars why on earth anyone thought that if he got close to Max just happened, he was going to overtake him with perhaps a 0.3 or a 0.5 tyre offset. It's never going to happen. He's got to come through that sector one, which is all left, right, left, right, left, right. And he's never going to get close enough. It was every single time. When they're in clear air um i was watching on the timing he was three tenths faster in sector one as soon as they got together got within two seconds of each other they were the same speed I and mean, they got less than that second half He was two tenths slower that's where you need to be quicker it wasn't for that happened very well it's just the fact that the mercedes can't handle traffic i mean this that's you know this is the last year this concept i'm sure it's something they'll, they'll, they'll think about next year but it's rubbish following cars so why do people think even if he caught max he's gonna get past him unless max rooted his tyres completely, I mean, and how many times have we been sitting around waiting for someone's tyres to fall off a cliff? How often have they actually fallen off a cliff? Never. you know. They show this clip of Valtteri Bottas going past Lewis Hamilton two or three years ago, but one was on a two-stop, one was on a one-stop, and Lewis had been pushing the one-stop by his own mistake earlier on, and you're going, well, yeah, that's a completely different thing, but you know, in the attempt to build Jeopardy, people kind of completely forget the fact is that the chances of Lewis overtaking Max Verstappen head-to-head on the track, nothing to do with their individual talents, everything to do with their individual cars. Is very, very low.
3: And finally, Red Bull.
4: Yes, the so Max must happen. Uh, I'll, I'll go the other way around because it just carries on my conversation. Max happened on the, on, on the flip side. You can see the difference in the in the first 10 laps. Max could stay with it easily within the second of Lewis because the Red Bull is nothing like as affected by following a car as the Mercedes. And I was also thinking about this almost like because the Red Bull has the most downforce, it's also producing the most turbulent wake. So, in fact, you try, for Mercedes, trying to follow Red Bull is even less like them following anything else. But anyway, so Max did a, a um yes, he lost the start uh, after getting got pole. The interesting thing was that once the teams had had to make a few revisions to the cars after Friday, when they realized they were bottoming out, so the ride height changed and everything else, um, the Red Bull was the faster car. Max um, didn't make the start, so they had to work a way around it. And they went for a suboptimal tyre strategy to get. Track position, which was the reason why he only won by a second and a half when he had a car that's a couple of tenths fast. It doesn't really matter. Like Jackie Stewart says, it doesn't matter how you, know, you win in the slowest possible time. So Max drove very, very sensibly in the second set of tires. Another thing, you know, people think, oh, his tires get up. If anyone watched the timing screen, when Max came out on his first stop, when he had to you know, do the undercut, he absolutely rooted his tires in the first two or three laps, going as fast as possible to get that gap, and then unsurprisingly they wore out. If you looked at when he came out the second time, when he was just extending a lead, he just really gently brought them in. So he didn't stress them at all. The, the Pirellis are very, very conscious of how you run them at the start, how they last overall. And so Max you know, did a great job on his tyres in that way. But again, no one was looking at that. Like I, I was sitting there going, well, that's pretty obvious going on. And no one mentioned it till after the race. So again, you're kind of thinking there are a lot of people who haven't got the advantage of looking at timing time who perhaps don't understand you know, the intricacies that, that, that you know, we do. Why are the commentary teams not telling them what's going on and explaining? To you? I know they want to build up this kind of great jeopardy. It's all going to happen at the end, but let's explain what the drivers are doing. Why they're being clever? What, why are they doing this? And it's like, oh, that's no, not going to happen. Um, Sergio Perez had a reasonable weekend. Um, his end result looked worse than it was because he um, was suffering from a stomach bug. And was slightly dehydrated to begin with, and then had no drinks bottle, so it was very dehydrated. So he did drop off quite a lot towards the end. However, however good his good weekend was, um, you know we kind of did see an indication that Lewis and Max are in a completely different stratosphere to the rest of the, uh, the drivers. They were, even if, if Sergei had been fit, he would still be 15, 20 seconds behind. Um, so yeah, great driving by the top two. Nothing like as good a race. I mean, normally I'm, I'm arguing with John how great a race it was. It was nothing like as good a race people made out because they just thought, because the jeopardy was just false jeopardy. It was never going to happen. Unless Max threw it off the track. It was never going to happen and Max hasn't been thrown off the track. So great performance by the top two. Great performance by Charles Claire. And uh, well done, Yuki Sonoda for the Austin Grand Prix.
3: That's Nick Damon's team-by-team review of the Austin Grand Prix and more from Nick next week here on Midweek Thanks, Nick. Motorsport. Cheers, Matt. Tomorrow night at 8, we have uh, the Simcast and... Uh, they're going to be discussing pointlessly expensive peripherals.
1: <laughs> Should have kept Nick on for that. He can talk all about that.
3: Maybe they can invite Nick as a guest to talk about pointlessly expensive peripherals. Very uh, good. Also, uh, we have Jordan and Matt's initial thoughts on NASCAR Ignition. It's rubbish. Uh, A new 2021 edition of Phoenix Raceway heading for iRacing. And two more circuits added into Gran Turismo 7. That's uh, all on the SimCast tomorrow night at 8pm here on RS1. Uh, What is celebrating its 1,000th birthday or its 1,000th event this weekend?
5: Not John. He's not a 1,000.
1: No, I'm celebrating tomorrow. Well, my excuse me, the uh, anniversary of my birth is somewhat of an event. Yes, Tim. but there haven't been yeah. a thousand of them. No, no. Absolutely. Unless you do it monthly,
3: <laughs> daily, and <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> <laughs> uh, um, thousand. Um...
3: I'll give you a clue. It's happening in Las Vegas. Drag race. Yes.
1: Uh, So it is uh, NHRA, 1,000th NHRA.
3: It's the 1,000th NHRA
1: event. strip. It's actually called the Strip at Las Vegas. It It is. Yeah, been there. Um, Wait, when is this? This
3: weekend.
5: I've got nothing to do. I'll drive down.
3: (laughs) If you do, can you uh, pick me up one of the special commemorative poker chips, please? There's a limited (laughs) run of 3,000 of them. They're only $5 each. You can buy them at the Nitro
1: Mall. Um, no problem. Fantastic. Thank you, Shay. Get us all one of those, sure. Thanks. <laughs> Jamie Howe probably there looking after that and doing the That's interviews. That's
5: exactly what I was going to text. You're, oh, you're going to
1: send Jamie in. Uh, <laughs>
5: yes. uh,
1: uh, before we get on to the Visit Cayman Islands Sports Car News to finish up the programme, I think we've got some IndyCar News, haven't we, Tim?
3: We've done IndyCar News. What did we didn't do, if... Um, you remember we had Theo Edgerton, who was uh, the yes. Porsche Cayman uh, Islands Island Sprint, Sprint Cup Sprint GB GP champion. Challenge GB yep. champion. Yep. Well, uh, the Big Brother series, the Porsche Carrera Cup Great Britain, uh, had its final races at the weekend. And crowned Dan Camish as champion for the third time.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, he got very close to breaking the record for the, the most, most wins, wins in a yes. season, but not quite. Oh. Not
3: quite. So, his manager, who currently holds that record, uh, Tim Harvey, is uh, smiling still. Uh, mm. And also, uh, brand hatched the weekend. Uh, Midweek Motorsport Listeners Collective member Ash Sutton uh, secured his third British Touring Car Championship
1: title. In the hey. Lexus? Uh, Infinity. Is it? Okay, sorry. Uh, it was well drive, though, which I was surprised to see. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, as was Paul O'Neill when he was doing the burn- burnouts, which I thought was funny, one of the commentators. Um, let's have some Visit Cayman Island sports car news with Shea Adam. Um, uh, start, let's start in the States and okay. some... Uh, more petite monuments. It still seems to. I mean, we should have had it by now, but it's still a couple of weeks, <laughs> a couple of weekends away. But we're starting yes. to fill some of the gaps on the, the entry list as far as drivers are concerned.
5: Yeah, it's really funny that there's this uh, dearth of news coming out because, of course, there's a month between the two races, and even more than that for the prototypes, and even more for that for the LMP2 and LMP3 cars. We haven't seen them since August, but there are driver announcements coming out uh, at a good trot, actually, I would say, for LMP3. Two big ones coming out this week, JR3 Racing, Junior 3 Racing. They are stepping up for Petit Le Mans, number 33, which, as you remember, was Sean Creech's number for the beginning there yes. but they stopped running about halfway through so not at all confusing there uh but they have decided that ari Baylog and garrett grist are going to be running with Spencer Pigot, that is a very solid lineup for that car. Ari is making his debut in the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. But Garrett Grist, a previous winner of Petit Le Mans in the PC category, and Spencer Pigot, two times a winner, in once an LMP2 and once in LMP3, uh, including the Rolex this year. That's going to be a strong car. We also have a driver announcement, kind of a surprise. Andretti Autosport is going to run Petit Le Mans. I wasn't necessarily expecting them to do this. Uh, Their previous endurance race this year has been the Salem Six Hours of the Glen, where Marco joined uh, cousin Jarrett and Oliver Askew. Um, but the surprise to me is that Marco is not a part of the lineup because I thought if they were going to be running an endurance race, they would do it with the same endurance drivers. Instead, they've got Josh Burden stepping up a guy that we're familiar with, uh, from Bathurst, the 12 hours he ran with the KCMG Nissans a couple of years ago. Remember those cars looking great. So he's coming over to make his debut as well. So that's two more cars that we've got in the race. It is getting to be a very full grid. I'm expecting north of 40 cars.
1: Oh, wow. Really? Excellent. That's going to be a great way to round off the season. A little bit further afield, um, uh, looking at cars, let's get that uh, recording that I had from last week where I said many of the stories will be all about what's coming in 2022 or 2023. (laughs) Here's one from the FIA WEC. should have brought this up when JP was on, actually. Um, AF Corsa, um, with a couple of entries in WEC, but not... In GT.
5: Uh, They are going to run an LMP2 car in the World Endurance Championship and the European Le Mans series. So far, the driver announced is Francois Perotto. Now, I, I don't understand if this is going to be a couple of cars... Per series or one LMP2 car in each of the series, which I, I guess we'll get a little bit of clarification on that later on. Um, but Perotto has run an LMP2 before. He's got 17 starts in the World Endurance Championship in that category, including a podium at the 24 Hours Le Mans. But all of his championships have come in GT cars. But that uh, AF course banner over the door, that makes a big difference for him. That's been his team of comfort since 2015.
1: Yeah, and, and they couldn't have a nicer bloke there. Um, oh,
5: completely agree.
1: Super guy, uh, often being voted most popular uh, or most improved or just nicest bloke in the paddock. Uh, and he yeah. really lives up to that title, even after he died on me in his Peugeot 908 <laughs> at Silverstone. <laughs> that
5: was done with love.
1: <laughs> he had a big smile on his face uh, when he called me back. That, of course, ahead... Of the Ferrari LMH program, which we're thoroughly expecting AF Corsa to be involved in. They're going to be running it in 2023. Um, I, I've got a feeling, Shane, you probably know this, I've got a feeling that AF Corsa ran in the WEC 18 or 19. When they ran the Chetila racing, but that was a Delara. Oh, I suppose it'll probably that be, was a Delara. I suppose that will be a, it'll probably be a Delara um, for, uh, for Ferrari as well, won't it? If it's not a Ferrari's own chassis when they come yes,
5: back. Yes, but I think that Perotto's running an Orica, he is. unless I'm mistaken. Yes, okay.
1: Abs- absolutely, absolutely is. Um, not being named for his drivers yet. Correct. But I think it's very interesting. I, I wonder what names we get in there. I wouldn't be, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see some decent names there, this year from the from the Ferrari ranks.
5: He's got a record of picking out the young ones before they uh, shoot to fame and fortune, and and also bringing along drivers that he's loyal to as well. So I'm very interested to see who he picks. Mm. I,
1: I've I've got a, a feeling that we might see WRT jumping up to. Uh, to do more in the WEC. They've just won the ELMS, as we heard from uh, Johnny uh, earlier on. Uh, and we reported last week, I think, she had, didn't we? Team Penske, uh, probably going to be entering a couple of uh, WEC races next year.
5: Correct, and uh, on that, actually, I do have a little bit of, um, well, news. Uh, Austin Sendrick is one of the drivers who has been provisionally moved from silver to gold, mm. as far as the driver's ratings are concerned. Other new, other names of uh, interest for us include Oliver Askew, uh, Wayne Boyd, Austin, as I mentioned. Jackson Evans. Remember, I said last week it'd be nice to see a, a silver Porsche driver put in a car, but uh, no, he's going to be gold for next year. Uh, Rahel Frey, Garrett Griss, who I just talked about, Jan Halen, Trent Hinman, Pato Award, and Alex Palou, both from IndyCar. Aaron Tielitz and Jeff Westfall were all names that jumped out at me. So quite a few changes so they've
1: gone to, in the driver ratings. they've gone to gold, have they?
5: They will be going to gold unless they can fight it successfully.
1: I think if you're an IndyCar driver, you're probably gold, aren't you?
5: Well, especially if you're the IndyCar champion, yes, Alex Pulley will not be able to fight that one. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, particularly when on the other side of the coin, um, Fernando Alonso is saying that IndyCar should get more um, more super license points then, you know, I, I think at that point, you sort of, you can't be fighting both sides or playing both sides of the table there, can you? Uh, and finally, some Tristan Nunez news. Uh,
5: we had a surprise announcement late last week. Action Express Racing, Whalen Engineering, is bringing Tristan Nunez aboard for 2022. He's going to be driving Pipo Durrani and uh, that beautiful Cadillac. They will be teammates for the year. Wow. Interesting Full that season. Mike Conway... Full season. Mike Conway is staying as the third driver for the endurance races, but this is Felipe Nasser being announced as not being a part of this team for 2022, whereas we still do not have any announcement as to where he will be going.
1: Uh, He's got to be a driver who will be on people's lists.
5: We've got no announcement. We know where he's going. We've got no announcement. I think the same can be said of several drivers in the yeah, paddock fairly. right now, John.
1: All right. Shay. thank you very much for bringing us up to date with the Visit Cayman Islands Sports Car Roundup. And, Tim, unless there's anything from you, I think that's about it.
3: Uh, I've just been reminded um, that back in uh, March this year... Yes uh during the Creventic race, Ben Conson used the word trundled, which of course is one of Nick's words. Yes. And at the weekend at Austin, none other than David Croft used the word trundled really? during the Formula One race. Yeah.
1: Well they they that I mean they're all royalties, don't they? I believe yeah. so, yes. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh quick notes, um we start at eight o'clock tomorrow night with Simcast and then on the grid Friday at 220 220 thank you it's qualifying from it Bahrain might be
3: 240
1: look ra- radio-dash-dot-uk it's on the bottom rs one it's Johnny and me tomorrow and it will be Johnny and Johnny with Johnny Morlem stepping into the global broadcast center for the 6 hour race he's only on coming for breakfast isn't saturday he? <laughs> that's what he says yes um, and i'll be doing Uh, the final rounds of the Porsche Carrera Cup Asia as well on Saturday and Sunday. It's too close to call. There's only four points between the top two and 24, 25 points between the top three in the pro class. That's the one that's closest. And I honestly don't know because there's been, the guys are finding it quite difficult to pass in the new cars. So it's all about getting away from the start and not making any any mistakes, um, but it's been very hot, and it's going to be very hot the weekend, and that could affect the Michelin tyres, so tune in and find out. It's all free, live in Sound and Vision, uh, if you go to uh, radio uk. Next week, we've got a special guest. We'll but we're be... not
3: allowed to say who it is yet, are we? Uh, are we not? I think No, I believe it's embargoed.
1: No, what, we... the... what we're talking about is embargoed. Okay, but you can mention... His name. We're going to have Pascal Vassalon on talking to us about Le Mans. And we can say that because we're not breaking any embargoes, Okay, Uh, He'll be uh, giving us an interview. He's out in Bahrain at the moment, and uh, we will get him on the show uh, between the two races. So he will talk to us next week on Midweek Motorsport as our big interview, the technical director for Toyota Gazoo racing. Right, I've got to go now. Um, there's no time to explain. The has lost its voice.
2: This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. For more, subscribe to Midweek Motorsport, wherever you
1: get your podcasts.